Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome once again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. I am one of your hosts, Justin Gerber, a senior writer at Consequence of Sound. One week ago, we killed an old woman, blamed our significant others, got cursed, and got a sweet cherry pie for our efforts as we covered Thinner, the last of the Bachman books before Uncle Stevie was found out. This week... We're not quite done with Billy, Scales, and Acne. We've reconvened to break down our feelings regarding 1996's film adaptation of Thinner, directed by Tom Holland. And as a bonus, maniac Mike Rothman, who is here with us today. Mike, say hello. Hello. How you doing? He interviewed Mr. Tom Holland about, what, a week ago about the film? Right? Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Had a lot to say about uh, what we might think is a great movie. Oh, all right. Well... That, just a bit of a cliffhanger there. We'll see what happens as the episode goes on. I'm also looking forward to, thinking, to seeing you think this is a great movie. Um, so please stick around because after we're done talking about the film, we have, a, we have a good 45 minute or so interview with Mr. Holland. But before we get started, let's go around and introduce ourselves and be sure to let us know the first time you encountered the movie thinner. And as a bonus, Mac and Mel, tell us if you read, have read the book because you were not on the book episode. So Mel, oh. kick us off. Sure. I did read the book. Um, in about two days because I really wanted to listen to the episode yeah. and because I wanted to do the live tweet with the movie and I didn't want to watch the movie before I read the book. Mm-hmm. And you guys had all kind of said this is one of the better Bachmans. So yeah. I gave it a shot. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. And the movie was my first time seeing the movie with, with you guys. Never saw it on TV. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah, I'll uh, say the same thing. I, had, I never saw it either. I just, this was my first. I, I, I mean, I kind of watched I mean, I was tweeting the entire time. But okay, and then to my right... Uh, this is Mackenzie Gerber, and I have read the book. Yes, wow! Um, I did read it, even though I wasn't on the four episode. For four. Amazing. Um, so uh, I was happy that I did so because I really actually liked the book uh, and the film. I, I I swear I thought I had seen the film, but upon rewatching it, I think I only caught the first like thirty minutes, and then. Because as I was reading the book, there were just things in there. I was like, I do not remember this. Little from baby the movie. Mac probably fell asleep. So mm-hmm. I probably I was I was Mac. I was very sweepy, and uh, <laughs> I just conked out. Well, how about Mel? Mel Castle, by the way. Mel, how many bright red Pennywise clown noses would you give thinner the novel? Ooh, I would give it a solid three point five. Three point five yeah. out of out of fumf, five uh, red noses, Mac. I would also give it 3.5. What, what did you give Bright, last week, red, Mike? Pennywise, clown noses. I think 3.5. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, look, I think we all actually liked Thinner, which is, well, it's a rarity, but we all liked the book, all six <laughs> of us who uh, have been involved in this. Um, well, let's get started, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about the history of Thinner. Uh, this is a movie that went through kind of production hell for years, for years. Richard Rubenstein tried to make it for a long time. I guess there was drafts that went along for about five or six years or so, Tom Allen had said at one point. Yeah, well, in our interview that you're going to be uh, listening to soon, he'll talk about uh, other productions involving Stephen King that he was offered mm. and uh, his allegiance to this story. And, uh, well, originally, uh, Michael McDowell had uh, started adapting 
passed away. Tom Holland took over the script. And what you're going to find out in this interview later on is that uh, there are a lot of concerns about how this uh, movie was going to play. But now that, the, you know, the, the AIDS virus was very prevalent in society, mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, a guy becoming gaunt and thin and withering away. Uh, that was a concern that there was a lot of debate about the ending. So the ending that he and Tom Holland will talk about how much he really fought for this, for the ending or for it to be dark. The studio didn't want that to happen, which is kind of funny because considering in 1989, you know, Pet Cemetery's ending is pretty macabre. Oh. So you'd think that they wouldn't have a problem, especially since that movie made how Gangbusters money. How did they want money. it to end? I think they they didn't they wanted it to end a little uh, uh, peachier, which apparently as is supposed to cheerier. Yeah, right. Ooh, I like that. Oh god. And apparently, the <laughs> ending that we do get in the movie is one that the studio uh, preferred. So um, it's there, there, there's a little bit of a dance that uh, Tom Holland had to do, and he's still uh, still a thorn in his side. So I am curious. I think I have a feeling I know what this this uh, compromise was. As we get along with it, maybe we'll uh, yeah, discover. Maybe we'll, we'll discover dis- as, we d- as we discuss this movie a little bit further. But yeah, it was maybe in production hell. <laughs> the, the production hell for this film is kind of odd because it was at a script level and it wasn't really, like, the, the whole thing wasn't even done yet. So it just, it just kept going through rewrite after rewrite, uh, which is kind of funny considering how simple this story is. Yeah. You know, you'd think this would be a cut and dry thing, but it wasn't. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, spoiler for the interview, but uh, let's just say that he passed on uh, a three-book epic that came out in the '70s by uh, Stephen King. So, uh, and by three book, I mean uh, three sections of a book, uh, you know, cut in three different parts. So, uh, we say, what is it? The Stand. <laughs> oh, The Stand. What are we yeah. talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, well, he, that has, I feel like that's gone through everybody yeah. at this point. Like mm-hmm. George Romero. I, mean, I almost directed the stand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, I, I remember. Funny that. story. Story yeah. for another episode. Yeah. 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 I, had, I had to pass yeah. on it to be in the newsroom. Mel wasn't around when we did the stand, but that would have <laughs> been a very that would have been a whole what episode unto it itself. Post. I'm sorry. The that's post. right. The newsroom. <laughs> Little <laughs> HBO's the newsroom. <laughs> I mix. They're both very Sorkin esque. Anyway, sorry. Well, either way, I'm pretty glad that it, it took this long because uh, the film, you know, was released in 1996, October 25th, actually, and I'm really glad because. If they didn't release the movie this time, uh, my favorite actress of all time, Bethany Joy Lenz, uh, wouldn't have uh, been able to be in the film. So you know, is just, that uh, is he, does she play the the wife? No, she plays the daughter. So oh, um, yeah. you know, I just got to say the, the the two minutes I get of her in this film is just more more than enough. I need well, finally, and she passed yeah. away recently, didn't she? Uh, let's, <laughs> maybe probably not. But uh, God, you know. if she did, you're gonna feel real bad. Oh, wait, she was really old. I think she's, she probably passed away a while. This ago, is the right? girl that apparently was in One Tree Hill. She was. Oh, you talking about the daughter? Yeah, I thought you meant the daughter that gets hit by the car. No, no, no. Oh, the yeah, daughter no. who does oh, no, the amazing fine. Marlon she's Brando. Fine. <laughs> she is fine. She does do an incredible <laughs> Marlon Brando. She, yeah. She's almost as convincing Italian as Joe Mantegna is. As, uh, <laughs> as uh, yeah, Janelli. No, I love Joe, Joe Mantegna. It's funny because Tom Holland actually going back to the stand. He was actually in the Stan miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the bunker. He's mm-hmm. the the, oh, that's the right. at the Vegas when the the airplane bunker blows up. He's also a, he was also an actor growing up, and I, I for some reason skipped down this movie too when I was younger. I think it's because I read the reviews. That's the only reason I can think of because I love Tom Holland's work before this. I love Child's Play, which he wrote and directed. He wrote and directed Fright Night. He wrote Psycho Two. He did a bunch of Tales from the Crypt episodes. So I was a Hollandhead, as um as <laughs> one might as one might say Hollandays, as some might also say. So much better. Back so I think you've got again Richard Rubenstein who ended up producing it or co-producing it. This guy did. Pet Cemetery, you mentioned that earlier, Mike. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. He also did just about every single 
George A. Romero movie up until this point, which included Creepshow and, and Dark Half uh, King Properties. So why I skipped out was simply heard it wasn't good. And I wasn't 17 yet, so I didn't want to you know, risk sneaking into the movie theater for no reason. I saw this when it first came out. Shot in theaters? Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it the week of, actually might even been the day it was released on VHS, because I had seen the trailers for it. I had been obsessed with the concept that this guy was losing weight. So and you were like reason, parked like in the Blockbuster lot waiting for them to open the doors? Yeah, it was like at 9.55 a.m. I used to work at Blockbuster, so I can imagine like <laughs> I just, you wait for the person to open it to come in there and open the door. Well, that's like when, uh, I hated people like that. Well, hey, I was like that with every new video game when Mortal Kombat 2 came out. Uh, I waited outside and camped for four hours for it. Yeah, but, I believe uh, it. I used to hide the totally. copies under the desk and say they were already rented. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I would have done that if I was uh, accepted as an employee at a uh, Blockbuster. Oh, like came sorry, not, sorry, you weren't part of, the, part of the Shots problem. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't really fun. But uh, seeing that commercial and seeing the the scene where he pulls the doll out, I used to think that that was what Billy becomes, <laughs> is this little doll. Hey, so in creepy. my head, I was like, that is scary, uh, and which I would find out later would be in a horror movie called Dolls. But uh, I, I was just like, I is have that to right? know. Yeah, that's what happens. Oh, I never starts, saw it. They start turning people into dolls and stuff. It's well, really Did you weird. know about Child's Play at this point, too? I, so you thought, like, oh, he's already good at that. Like I had seen Dolls, or I had seen Child's I'd Play. I seen Dolls in my life before. I, I swore I, off Child's Play. Child's, I, you do dolls once, you're not gonna do it again. Not gonna, you know? It's over. Uh, I had loved Child's Play, but no, I'd seen the trailer for this. I'd been dying to watch it, and I rented that first uh, week, and that was actually one of the earliest like Stephen King experiences I had because it was like wow. that, The Stand, and Pet Cemetery for me. You know? well, this is literally the most recent Stephen King experience I've had because mm-hmm. I just watched it for the first time. That's true. Yeah, a week yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, the cast of this is pretty good, I will say. Robert John Burke, right? Isn't he the uh, Robert John Burke? Robert John Burke of Rescue Me fame. Mm-hmm. Very good at Rescue Me. As yeah. is, is he play his um, his, his cousin brother. or something like his, that? His brother, one of his brothers. Is that his older is? brother? Very good on that show. He's got the he's got the Boston accent going in full bloom. Also, of course, uh, in the very famous RoboCop three. That's right. Uh, unfortunate film that came out after the great Peter Weller said, "You know what? I'm good." Uh, he's also. I'm, I'm putting down the the robo badge. <laughs> I'm walking away. Uh, he's also one of your favorite Steven Spielberg movies. Let me think about this for a second here. One of my favorite ones is Ian Hook. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's it was released in the last uh, 13 years. One of my favorite ones. You being facetious was he in Warhorse? <laughs> no, yeah, Warhorse. No, he's in Munich. He is in Munich. Mm-hmm. Really? Who is, who is he in yeah, Munich? I love Munich. I do love Munich. I don't Munich. remember what he plays in Munich, but I saw that it's on his uh, filmography. I wonder so. if he plays oh, like well, a, 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 a Jewish spy. <laughs> Robert John Burke, <laughs> Jewish spy. Um, he's also in my favorite George Clooney film, uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Which so. is actually a great movie. Is which is only one. the only George Clooney movie that's actually good. So, you know. Well, that might be true. Like yeah. Brothers? Not quite. Same. That's not his. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Oh, I just thought yeah. you meant things that George Clooney Oh, no, he's been associated with <laughs> oh, he's been in great I, movies before, but, you know. You were a big fan of the Leatherheads? <laughs> yeah, right. Don't Which also so. what I call fans of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so that got really confusing. <laughs> <back> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Hey, while we're talking about Pet Cemetery, also, does anybody remember when George Clooney was rumored to play Lewis Creed in I do. Uh, the, remake, or the, the remake? That was around the time of... There was a website. Oh, God, I forgot the name of this website. It's called like Development Hell. Do you remember yeah, this website? Yeah. Very exciting website. They yeah. would have all the great rumors. <laughs> this is before you could just Google anything to look for rumors. Yeah. And I remember that was one of the big thing there, things there, and there was alien sequel rumors at the time. Yep. Back to Thinner, in which there was no rumors. <laughs> there was no rumor mill about the big release of Thinner. Thinner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about Burke. Robert RGB, as I like to call him. Yeah. 
Have I seen him in anything else in the last uh, X amount of years? What else has he been in, Mike? Do you have his IMDb? Uh, yeah, I got his. I got his other stuff. He's been in some major shows. He was in Sex in the City. He was probably like Mr. Big's brother or something. Right? He, he was a. He's always he, someone's brother. He dated Miranda on oh, the wow. show. Okay. Ooh, uh, are you a Miranda? Or are you a Sam? <laughs> Said probably more. Samantha's the one that likes to fuck and everything, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. They all um, like um, to fuck. Claudio like. Doherty does an incredible imitation of Kim Cattrall. If you haven't heard it, seek it out. Continue. Well, I, I I share a birthday with Kim Cattrall, so I guess I am a Samantha. So um, he was in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Actually, that is another, that's another George, George Clooney. Clooney movie. I do like Confessions of a Dangerous Never Mind. Saw it. Oh, so you got to take that back. I do have to take that back. I'm walking <laughs> this back. Just like our uh, quote-unquote gypsy friend uh, Lemke walks back his curse. Mm. Oh, is that what the R.E.M. song? Uh, the, the I, was, I thought that Mike was going to make the reference. <laughs> and this is officially the deepest reference we've ever had in the podcast is R.E.M.'s. What? I think it's like track 10 on their last album. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> album. Hey, I'm not, no hey, joke. And you know what? Since we're already going off on a tangent, the video for Walk It Back, no joke, has a features a horse urinating. <laughs> No joke. The official video for that has a horse urinating. Hey, no joke. Uh, the video for Uberlin has a uh, an actor who's married to a woman uh, three times his age. That's uh, right. That's right. So, Sam Taylor Johnson's okay. seventy nine. Apparently, guys, can we get back to gypsies, tramps, and thieves, so, please? Yes. Back to Cher. What do you th- <laughs> now? What do you think about Cher? Um, I heard she had some ribs removed. So weird. No, that was Rod Stewart. <laughs> that's uh, um, are we getting our rumors uh, mixed up here? But Marilyn like Manson. thinner, anyway. Talking about ribs. Uh, Robert John Burke. Robert John Burke was also in Copland. Was he really? This is a good career. I actually I love Copland. Yeah, He's Cop- a, yeah, Copland's great. Good character actor, apparently. Robert John Burke. I just love that we're just like going back and forth on this. Um, he was in 2015's True Story, and uh, here's a true story. I Mike's saw that film at Sundance mm. and uh, fell asleep uh, for three minutes. Uh, seems to be a commonality with me. Yeah, it oh. was it was a very cold night, and it was a cold movie, and not a lot of fun to watch. But uh, hey, RBJ was great in that. Yeah, believe he plays a lawyer in it. He was also in Connie and Carla, uh, my favorite film from two thousand four. Well, you know what? That actually ties into something bigger, Mike. Oh, really? Because I want you to look because Connie and Carla, uh, starring Neo Vardalis, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, and and, true. and um, oh God, what? Why am I blanking on her name? Um, she's also in Hereditary. Yes, great actress. Tony Collette. Tony Collette, Jesus Christ. Now, Mike, if you will please click on Nia Vardalis' IMDb page. We're mm-hmm. going to play a, little, a thinner game here. Don't yeah, worry, yeah, it's all sure, going to sure, sure. I promise. Ooh, I, this all is right, now I want you to pick. Now I want you to click on a film called My <laughs> Big Fat Greek Wedding, Mike. I believe I know who might be in this film. Who who plays who plays the father in My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Oh, oh my gosh, it's Michael Constantine. Michael Constantine who plays... Tadzu Lemke in Thinner. That's great. Oh, great. That's, that's our connection. How about that? That's how we got cast in um, Connie and Carla, by the way. That's, oh, yeah. They love the, the so Constantine The Constantine <laughs> connection. <laughs> so this actor's been in a lot of things over the years, obviously. This is obviously his, most, his best role in Thinner. Uh, being very facetious right now. But I will say the thing about Thinner and his performance is that even though he's playing a very um, over-the-top Traveler, as we called them in mm-hmm. our, yeah, to be not correct. a stereotype, not definitely not a stereotype. That character, of course, was parodied in Saturday Night Live about 15 years later in the Sergio sketch, one of the which best. Fred Armisen curses. Is it, is it Andy Samberg or who yeah, is it? It's Andy, Andy Samberg. And this, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. Please search out that sketch. I haven't seen it. Oh my oh, god, okay. Mel. Yeah, we'll search watch out it. the sketch. We'll, watch, we'll it. watch it. We'll show it to you. Um, what else has Michael Constantine been in? Let's give a little bit it's of a been rundown. a lot of stuff. He's been big in... Big things. The, give me three big things. The Hustler? That's a big movie. It's a great movie. Paul Newman. Uh, he was also in um, Voyage of the Damned. Not a big movie. Um, Voyage of... No. Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Justin asked for three big ones. He's three in, biggies. He's in 1996's The Juror, so the same year he was in Thinner. 
Sure. It's not bad. Starring Uh, Demi Moore and Alec Baldwin. It's true. He was in, I can't tell if some of these are uh, big movies, but The, the Hustler's uh, you know, a big one. He was in The Night That Panicked America. Oh, uh, one of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> he was in The Pirate. Uh, the North Avenue Reg- Irregulars. Okay. Uh, 40 Days of Moose Dog. We, are, um, we have officially... Oh, sorry, hey, Michael. Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. He was. He in, was. He, that's crazy that you made it the, the sequel. Fun fact, though, the plot for My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 is that the, um, the parents find out that they were never officially married, so they have a big wedding. Another one. <laughs> that's a true story. It's not a fun fact. That's just the plot of okay. the movie. It's, it's he, a fun film. I never saw it. He might not have been in a lot of films, per se, mm-hmm. but he was in a lot of TV shows. Here are some of the ones he was in. Uh, going back from 2007 and beyond, he was in Cold Case. That was his last TV show he was in. Uh, he was in My Big Fat Greek Life for seven episodes. True fact. I Not fun fact, but true fact. I watched the first two episodes of that show. Oh, Jesus Christ. Continue. <laughs> Did you have like a John Corbin? Uh, no, he was like on the show. Oh, wow. He was on the show. He was recast as some other schlub. Uh, he was in an episode of Cosby, problematic. Uh, he was also <laughs> in uh, Magnum P.I., Remington Steel, The Love Boat, Mama's Man, Family. Who, who else was in this movie? Yeah, so, <laughs> wait, I have to ask Mac because I feel like we're sitting kitty corner from each other and having the same thought. Like, how interested are our listeners in these rundowns? <laughs> well, just, we were just giving down like, think, who these, uh, people, the people, these people have been in their careers. I, I asked for three big things. Mike gave me well, 20 the, cigars. The problem is <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike doesn't know where to stop. <laughs> now, we're going to bring it back, though, because I think Mike, right off the top of his head, could tell us a little bit about Joe Montana. You played uh, yeah. Richie Ginelli. Joe, Joe Montana's been around. Let He's me great. tell you about a great comedy. Him. Great comedy, 1994. Airheads. I think you say Baby Stay Out. Baby Stay Out. He is in that also. That's a John Hughes film. Mm-hmm. So those those are two films that represent uh, uh, John Montana. <laughs> yeah, I'm so looking at IMDb right so now. The third one? And it says known for, and the first movie is Godfather 3, yeah. and then yeah. the second movie is Baby Stay Out. <laughs> John Montana has also been in Criminal Minds for years. Yes. And was the studio head that fires the Three Amigos at the very beginning of Three Amigos. That's true. That's right. He's a, a suave motherfucker who... Uh, could take me uh, any day. I'm uh, just going to put that out there. But uh, true fact, but not a fun fact. Um, a f- maybe it could be my a fun dog's fact original Joe. name when we adopted him as a puppy was Rossi, and I thought that's such a weird name. We're going to name him Watson instead. Little did we know, we just renamed him after another detective. Oh. Isn't that crazy? I thought you were naming after the great Leo Rossi, the actor. Well, from, I don't know from why they named Halloween him Rossi and originally. They, that's just the name he had. Well, they're probably big accused like, fans. He's definitely a Watson. <laughs> oh, if I was a big yeah. enough Criminal Minds fan, I would have kept the Rossi name. I, you should have kept the Rossi name. I love it. Uh, Don't you tell me what to name my dog. Well, I'm telling you, you you made a huge mistake. That's all I'm saying. I'm telling you. Now, here's a fun fact. I think this is actually a fun fact. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Lucinda Jenny, who plays Heidi, Mm -hmm. Billy's wife in this film, Mm -hmm. she was married to Bill Mosley. That might be of interest to our genre fans out there. Bill Mosley was Shop Top of Texas Chainsaw Chainsaw Master 2 and all the Rob Zombie movies. How about that? That's right. Uh, I'd like to call it uh, HK. A fun fact, but it is That's a fun interesting fact. Interesting fact. <laughs> interesting fact. Somebody mentioned earlier Bethany Joy Lynn's, of course. She plays the daughter, um, mm-hmm. Linda, in this. I want to also talk about Carrie Wurr. Oh, yeah. Who plays Gina oh, Lemke, who is, by the way, I'm going to go on a limb and say she's not of Romanian descent. No. <laughs> Probably not. Carrie Wurr, this is the most important thing about Carrie Wurr. You've got to Google Conan O'Brien worst interview. Oh, she's no. on Conan O'Brien. Wait, really? And she is like drugged out of her mind. Oh, no. Oh, God. So please seek that out to I enjoy. I really don't want to. Oh, no, it's, like it's, a lot it's a lot of fun. She's fine. She was in the Hellraiser movie. Mac. Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> I, it, God, oh, Hellraiser Debtor. It was this awful movie about this like underground cult that they just like retooled and shoehorned in. 
you know, the idea of Cenobites, I guess. I don't, I can't even remember Pinhead being in the film. It, it is one of the worst movies I've seen. Um, what else is she in, Justin or Mike? Well, she's also in my favorite. She's been in a lot of things. She's yes, in my favorite yeah. Millie uh, Avital movie called uh, Kissing a Fool. Uh, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> she was Directed in, by she Doug Allen. Uh, also in Anaconda. Yes, Anaconda. Oh, she's in Anaconda. Yeah, she's. I believe she plays Owen Wilson's... Uh, Snake? Girlfriend. And then he's eaten by a snake, and then you see his imprint in the She body. did all the mocap for the steak. Yeah. <laughs> I think they allowed her to be in it. Very important. She plays the voice of Maria Hill in a few Marvel movie, cartoon movies. Interesting. Who's uh, Maria Hill? Kobe Smolders, I believe, plays, mm-hmm. plays her in the live-action Mac. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right. There, I used to get her mixed up with Allie Landry, who was the Doritos girl. And she was married to Mario Lopez for a period. I know a lot of thing, worthless things. I really do. <laughs> now I really, that's a fun fact. That's, that, that is a fun crack fact. Well, hey, look, if you're Let's, turning into the Losers Club, just know that we're, we're going to go beyond IMDb. Hey, we're going to we, we're gonna, we're gonna go deep. We, we have a lot of deep knowledge. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's worthless. Maybe you've already skipped, skipped over the I would have tuned out. About 10 minutes ago. Well, let's keep going with the cast. John Horton plays (laughs) (laughs) Judge Kerry Rossington. I don't recognize him. Character actor. Character actor? Character actor. But I really just want to talk about, before we move on to the actual film itself, my boy Daniel Von Bargen, who plays... God damn it, he's so... uh, He plays Duncan, the acne-riddled... I guess he's got acne in this movie. It looks like he's had a couple bumblebee bites. Something's happening. I don't know, he looked okay to me. He's like, I was stung by a bee. Now... You only need three rules from him. Go ahead, Mike, because I agree. What's one of them? Seinfeld's incredible. Mr. Kruger. Coco the monkey. Coco the monkey. Great performance. Uh, He's also Malcolm in the middle. Don't remember that. uh, As commandment Edwin Spangler, uh, which I remember him uh, very well in that show. I love that show. Uh, Then Breaking Bad came along and I was like, I don't have to watch the show anymore. Hmm. And uh, uh, Chief Grady and Super Troopers, which his rapport with Brian Cox is exceptional. See, well, I remember him from growing up as a film called Lord of Illusions. Yes, Clive I was Martin, about to say Lord that. of Illusions. He plays the villain in that. And the faculty. All, yes, faculty for sure. Oh, yeah. God, that, that teacher cast and faculty is ridiculous. It's so great. Good. Great. It's it, pretty the great. whole cast of the faculty is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but that, 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 yeah, that's pretty, that cast is unbelievable. Yeah, he's also in the Pine Bluff variant from Exiles. Uh, <laughs> so. For the episode, I thought you were just pulling some like crazy, <laughs> awful movie that he was in once. No, no, no. This is it. He's also uh, he's a, he's in the Silence of the Lambs as a SWAT commander. So mm. yeah, he's the one that directs Chris Isaac around. Love uh, Chris Isaac. He's like Chris, go like, over there. Yeah, Chris, it's a wicked game you do. Hey, uh, fun fact about <laughs> Wicked Game: you used to think that was a romantic song until no. uh, the actual thing happened. Until, so, you listen, uh, until you listen to the background vocals, yeah. <laughs> you're like, "Wait a minute, what are these people saying? This girl's only going to break your heart." Oh yeah, oh, this isn't a very happy song. Crush my life. Nobody um, loves no one. No one loves. Listen, anyone. this episode is only about the film oh Thinner, God. directed by Tom Holland. We're going to talk a little bit more about it coming up now. Right now. So let's enter right into the cemetery portion of this in terms Wait, of what on. worked. Can I just say I really yeah. love the poster? Yes, I, I love the. Poster. I don't love the poster at all. I oh, don't like see, it at all. I love the poster, and really only loved the poster of the film. <laughs> uh, wow, you really hate it? No, when I first saw uh, the poster, though, it's 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 misleading as hell. I really yeah, thought think he's gonna that he's going to go yeah. that far, like that, yeah. and I was like, "Ooh, this is going to be a watch." You should see the lame and iTunes. The, the fact cover. that it never gets there is just—it was very disappointing, disappointing to yeah. me when I first like started watching the movie and oh. then stopped watching after. Well, 30 I minutes. love that the, <laughs> the cover of the novel is so good. 
that that red handprint with like the thin the thin is that the, the original font. cover? I wasn't on yeah, the that's the original I didn't see everybody's cover. version. I love that. Obviously, you can't sell that, so you got to have this weird like purplish tint <laughs> with like this guy who's turned to a but the, the scully face. But the font's getting scully smaller because he's getting thinner. Oh, oh, I, I, oh, a close reading by Mike Rothman. But the, that poster screams like if you if if you travel to the year twenty two ninety three and you said. And you show, here's the movie. What year did this come out? You'd say, oh, 1996. <laughs> I'm just not thinking There's no it's question. It's That's got VHS cover written all like, over it, it, too. It, it, it was directed video before it was directed video. Like, yeah, very much. It, it seems that way. Oh, I love that era of video covers. I do, miss. It I reminds me of like creepy. Final Destination. I or, think it's creepy too. You know, it kind of reminds me of Lord of Illusions, actually. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, I see that. You know. What is the, what is the tagline there, Mike? Can you uh, Let the curse... Begin. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the tagline. <laughs> and it has a guy with a flag. Um, no, let the curse carry, the carry words out there in the street the, with sorry, a couple everyone be quiet. Sorry, checkered sorry, flags. Sorry, sorry. Mike, was it? Let the curse fit the crime. That's Ooh. terrible. It's not good. I like mine better. Everyone make yeah, up a tagline right now. Let the curse begin. How about it's just a random quote. In, quote, in quotation says, this guy's really thin. <laughs> but, <laughs> it has like, tagline. but it has like, a, like his daughter. Like on the side, just like Milo's faces on the cover of the well, mask. Carrie, Carrie yeah. Wurz, like, look, she's like in her gypsy outfit, looking really sexy with like oh, checkered God. flags, like ready to, to, to start oh the my race. God. Fast and the thinner. The fast and the thinner. I like um, that. Maybe you have a crossover so with the it fast and the sense. Let the curse fit the crime. The crime has nothing to do with being thinner. It's <laughs> exactly, a terrible tagline. Exactly. I think. Yeah. Who put this movie out? I know Richard Rubenstein did, but what was the actual? This was in Warner Brothers, right? This wasn't. Was this? Uh, no, this is a Paramount picture. So Ooh. Castle Rock, uh, the show Hulu won't have uh, any references to Thinner. Sorry, Billy. No Billy Halleck references. No, he but won't I, show up. Can we get Can we get Burke in there though? Can we, we get Robert get Burke? We could get John Burke. Real quick though, what do you, what do we think about the performances of, of this film before I we get into the actual? Like them. I I think I, they're fitting for the tone of the movie. I think Burke is. Awful. Yeah, I think, I think he's it's tough. Absolutely awful. I, I agree. Every I, line is like he's just forcing it. I made a joke during the live tweet that he's like doing the Christian Bale Batman voice. Like, yes. <laughs> it's really bad. My, my thing I'm is, sure he's great in other vehicles. I, he is. I think it's. Go ahead, Mike. You go first. I, I've just always seen this as like almost like a borderline Skinamax movie. Uh, I always thought it was like supposed to be this kind of raunchy, pulpy film that. Is Raunchy. very tongue in cheek and B movie, and mm. so I thought that he nailed that those mannerisms pretty well. So that's the thing about Tom Holland is always nailed like like horror comedy, yeah, especially Psycho too. There's a lot of dark comedy in there. Yeah, Child's Play goes without saying. Oh Fright, Night's Fright Night, a, Fright Night, I course. love Fright. Yeah, love you know Fright Night, and even the Tales from the, the Crypt episodes that he yeah. did too. All those episodes are steeped in comedy. I, I don't think he nails it here until the very, very end, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. I think he nails it at the end, but I don't think it works within the performances and the way it it looks. We'll get to the direction. Well, he was basically well, I just almost think dying. I just think the film's silly, I, and I did not feel like the book was at all. The book is a very slow burn and extremely effective uh, minus the like, you know, hundred pages of the Janelli stuff. <laughs> well, but, that bothered you too. Yeah, it did bother me. But um, the movie, like right out the gate, they they go like almost too far with like him eating things so much. So it's almost comical. Yeah. Um, whereas that's just not the case in the in the in the book, and it's yeah. it's just it's over the top. Everything's like at a hundred percent in the movie, and I. I really didn't like it, and I didn't like the changes. I, I know I'm getting into the meat of it now, but no, it's fine. 
I uh, have to disagree, but uh, no, 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 well, that's no. Fine. Um, well, yeah, no, 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 that's true. You, that's true. You'd be dead wrong. I, I am. I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, dead right, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna put a gypsy curse on everyone Billy that doesn't want this movie. Sam Neil. Who? Sam Neil. Yes. I will say. I will say. If everybody in this movie, I think the person that does give the best performance is Joe Montana. I agree. As Janelle, as much as I knock that character's arc, even in the movie, it goes on way too long. But uh, no, it, it's more noticeable in, in the book. I think. Yeah, of course. But I think, I mean, that is who I picture as Janelle. Even reading it, I couldn't picture anybody else. And even me, I would make fun of it. I would just think about Montana. He did. He did awesome. Yeah. And I love him. But like, also, he just, he has one way of acting. He's he, he could have been playing Rossi. <laughs> like, hey, he just but hey, you know what? But, but it fit perfectly. He's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, he, he's good at at what he does, and it's charming. It's it's he's hard. Very charming. Hey, you know he what? He was also. A, I would kiss him. On he the was mouth. he was the uh, father in Joan of Arcadia <laughs> against type. How about that? There you go. There you go. He was now a mafia a I mafioso feel like in that. Burke is the, my biggest problem. Like I think his performance yeah. to me stands out yeah. as like pretty bad. Everyone else, I'm like, I thought Heidi Heidi was good. And it's um, weird because in RoboCop three, he's very like <laughs> he doesn't really have very many emotions, but in this, it's like over. The I top. have to imagine it's hard <laughs> to act in that fat suit. Yeah, like, I, would I think I think probably that really does actually make you be more of a caricature you because know, you are. I think like, Weird Al pulled it off thing. pretty this well in guy, the fat video. Yeah, sure. Is cr- it's very crazy. Oscar worthy. Well, just think about when he gets out of the fat suit and he's actually thinner, like the title. Uh, he is far stronger of a performer. At that I point. don't know. I, I'm still, like, I'm still out at that point though. I'm pretty out at that. When point. When he's like all weak and he's like all, you know, like. Uh, but he's making like? some jokes. I mean, that I, are pretty I, rough I, too. I, I mean, personally, I think you guys are all fucked in the head. I think he's <laughs> probably the best performance we've ever seen from a Stephen King adaptation. He, he should have best. Well, he should have well, nominated it, it, one best actor. Yeah, yeah, our listeners you, know you, one thing: it's that Mike tends to um, overblow yeah, I, everything. Mike is <laughs> not. What was your question, Mike? What was your not question? prone to hyperbole at all. <laughs> this should have been Matthew McConaughey. Okay, so let's see. Um, in 1997, mm. which is when he would have been nominated for Academy Award, yes, he would have gone up against. Let's, let's hear this. <laughs> he would have gone against Tom Cruise from Jerry Maguire. He would have gone against Ray Fine from Ralph. Uh, Ralph. Ralph. Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. 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 The English Patient. From The English Patient. Ooh, One of the great awful movie. movie. Great movie. Uh, Jeffrey Rush from Shine. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade. And Woody Harrelson from The People vs. Larry Flint. Sling to be honest, Blade? not the strongest uh, acting category. I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't think so. Woody Harrelson was great in People vs. Larry Flint. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's great. Billy Bob Thornton's great. Shine is a snore. Never saw Shine. What is English Sling Blade Patient about? Is a sl- it's Sling Blade's about some like. Is it like an action film? No, no, no. It's, no. About, it's called Sling Blade. It sounds like Robocop. Well, no. It's, not, it's about a man who commits a crime and is released from prison. He's a fucking later. asshole. Be- befriends a, a, <laughs> a, a boy Sling Blades? Him. It's a 120 minute movie about an asshole. Okay, one, uh, one sentence answer, answer to this question. Why is it called Sling Blade? I think it's, that's the weapon he uses, right? That's a type think, of blade. I haven't seen the movie. It's a good well, movie. we're all a bunch of film buffs here. But I have seen, I can speak to uh, uh, Ray Fiennes' uh, performance in The English Patient, and I think that uh, he probably would have taken it home. Sorry, pal. No, no. I think that if, if it should have been anyone, it should have been my boy Tom Cruise for his Show Me the Money speech in Ooh. Cameron Crowe's uh, maybe third or fourth best movie, uh, Jerry Maguire. You're so, probably right in the third or fourth. I think third, maybe. Yeah, sure. No, probably okay. four. Burke would not have won. 
Burke would not have been nominated. Burke would have been at least nominated for a Golden Globe. And let's go see what Golden Globe nominations are. No, 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 no. Let me put it this way. Like, if they if they made a Family Guy movie now, like, that's the kind of, like, like suit that they would put on him, you know? <laughs> and then they, then Burke would do that. Yeah, I think he would do that well. You think that's bad. You think that's um, bad. I, I love Burke in this movie mm. for the his ability to really bring my, my one of my favorite Stephen King characters, uh, Billy Halleck, alive. I You know, I think <laughs> it's very like, complicated. Oh, I can't God. even say it with a serious. I know. Now, I don't have now I'm like really here, confused. Like, do some, you like it or do you not like there's it? Some scene, but I, I, to I to his defense, I will say that there's some dialogue that he has to say that is just awful. There's a sequence where he's attacking, the where he goes to the camp and starts threatening yeah. with the whole white man from town speech. Mm-hmm. And I think the script doesn't do him a lot of service here, too. I'm just saying. I, w- I wasn't the one giving myself the blowjob. Uh, that's one of the That's the, an the incredible lines. Burke nominant. Uh, that is another thing, though, you know, that I don't yeah. like about the movie is that they really... Um, Villain, like they villainize. Well, let's talk. Yeah, like where I don't think I feel like the wife in the book is pretty innocent. Yeah, and in the movie they really try to say that she's kind of not, and that she's also kind of like you guys talk about this in the book episode how it makes narrative sense, but not thematic sense. Yeah. So let me ask you, Mike. You had said. That Tom Hall had to make some concessions about the ending. Did he say what the concession was? No, he didn't. See, he basically, it was more along the lines of like giving the doctor the pie as opposed to just letting him, you know, give the pie to his wife and everything. They kind of had to soften the blow by giving it to that's the doctor I, as well. That's what so, I assume. I assume that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm guessing they maybe wanted him to make the the wife and the doctor, or Mike Houston and, and I mean, his wife... It's not even inferred in the book. It's like, not. It's not. That's the thing that you know. bothered me. It was like, oh, are we supposed to see him as like the good guy? But he, no, like it's awful. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that. I don't. I, I didn't like, like those change. changes. Yeah. I don't like the change. But what do you I think do, about what do you think about Constantine as not the comic, but Constantine as as Lemke <laughs> as the as the traveler, the gypsy traveler? Um, I think his nose should have been more off of his face. Mm. But I thought he did a fine job yeah. of it's looking memorable. old and intimidating. I, I really was wondering what he was going to sound like when he does the curse, when he reaches out and goes. And he kind of uh, sounds really tender you. with it. He's like, Theodore. My joke was, um, I'd like to invite you and your friends over for dinner. <laughs> Let's embrace that moment for the podcast uh, history. Yeah. Um, I, it's a memorable performance. And I, it was, even the, the trailer alone, I remember that sequence of him saying the whole thinner thing. Mm-hmm. And it obviously was used in SNL 15 years later randomly. So. God, the yeah. idea of that but, is, is just frightening. And I think that that was what grabbed me when I first saw the trailer. Um, and, and, and the poster. Yeah. What, I thought it was going to go that far. Oh, you know? yeah. I wanted to see him really I, emaciated really and just get, completely get breaking apart. We get one shot of him lifting up his shirt and them kind of showing how prominent his ribs are. And you yeah. can totally tell it's like a body double who's like been... Cause it's but I would have down. also loved... Because that but, was those were the days pre a lot of CG where we could have had some really great physical effects, you know, of just... You know, showing he, the body. Tom just, Holland talks about the physical effects coming apart. 
Yeah. In the interview. Yeah. His well, face I'm really just excited. never got gaunt enough for me. It was more wrinkly because yeah. I think they were trying to show the loss of the fat under the skin. Yeah. Because if you did it now, it just, it wouldn't be effective. Wait, hold on. Mike's hemming no, and hawing over here. Robert Jumper lost like 20-something pounds for this role. He looks like, great. He went, in, he went all in on this role. So oh, you know what? I'm in the corner for RBJ. He, Christian so, Bale or RJB. I was going to say, how many pounds are you Christian Bale? Like, like, doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie, okay? Okay, well, Christian Bale was too busy flipping, like, newspapers uh, at the time that this was released. Was he um, working on Newsies 8? Flipping newspapers on the grill. It was like land <laughs> before time. Um, when did the newsies? Oh, did the newsies come out in '96? Um, no, what are you like, doing, like Johnny? You're supposed to flip exactly. the patties. Hey, Jackie! I think the Walt Disney World performance came out around that time. But uh, I would say that RJB. He does. A, he gives an economical performance. This has, this has <laughs> nothing to do with his performance. I just wish there was more body horror. I, I well, I think we get some though. Can we talk a little bit about the makeup effects in this? Yeah, I think I mean, that they kind of. You go first, Mike. Cause you're, you're, a little, you're a little more defensive about the film. Worked you, up. Work it up. I, I agree that we could have had a little bit more body horror in this. Mm. You know, I mean, one of the scenes they were supposed to have actually a Carrie Rossington sequence, and they had to cut it because for uh, budgetary reasons. So mm. they weren't able to do it. They had the whole like lizardy effect. He was supposed to be in a bathtub while all this stuff was supposed to happen. Well, and, and that's everything, the thing but, is, well, don't we see him in the dream sequence though? We do in the car. In the car, but it's very and short. I, not, I like that makeup, but that's not at all what I pictured when no. I first when I read the book. It. It was almost like he was unrecognizable as a human at that point. Yeah. And that's what was so frightening. And again, it's one of those things where in the book, it's almost better because we don't actually ever see it. And and again, it's it's what your mind can create kind of thing. But obviously, if they're making a movie, I wanted to see it. And then they kind of get Hopley. Hopley's pretty gross. I like how Hopley's in the shadows, Mm -hmm. but I think they should have, they could have gone a lot further with that makeup too, though. Yes. I think that he just looks like he's kind of has some acne on the right side of his face. But when I when I thought about it, I thought about somebody that was just Give me- totally tumored up. You couldn't even really see their eyes, just like full of bumps yeah. and everything else. And and this, it just looked like he, you may look like, teaser for another podcast, he looked like Donald Pleasance in Halloween 4. With like that makeup <laughs> on the right side of his face and that was it. Like, look how awful I look. He has like a hoo right. for a hand. Yeah, his hand looks his great. His hands exploded. I just felt yeah. like Did they talk about, more. did they give it a... In the movie, do they say, like, oh, it's just really bad acne? Like, do they even say what it is? Or As a like- kid, I used to think before I read the book, there was like he got like a pig thing or something like that. Like, he was actually turning into he like a pig. He got a pig. Because like they said, like, like pig. Yeah, no, I- <laughs> like, got a pig. I, I, I curse pigger. Pigger. Yeah. Pigger. Hey, sometimes you get a pig thing. You do you get do, a pig thing. But you know. the, the other issue I have with the Rossington <laughs> sequence. Thinner, like lizard. You a- turn into a pig. <laughs> you, 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 you pig thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like a pig, though. <laughs> I curse you swine. And swine then, flu. Swine's actually he goes a good back one. That's to, creepy. That's yeah. He goes back to beg for his life. He's like. Have you ever seen a pig before? Like, <laughs> this is not what a pig looks like. Well, he practices fourth while he goes, I hate bacon. Um, so, like some kind of. Like, uh, like, I, I, hope, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm kosher. Carrie Rossington, his makeup isn't. I don't like the makeup that much. No. But the problem with that whole sequence is that it takes place during the dream, which starts off really good because that dream sequence is. At the carnival, we mm-hmm. see like the the cool Scary dolls scene. of the people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is just undercut by dual Lemke's driving trucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, ah! very like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, yeah, yeah really. And uh, that's like that's six. that's another example of the humor that doesn't land in this in this movie. I'm not sure who did the cinematography for this, but uh, 
That's a, that's a problem for old Justo over here. That's uh, Keys Van Oostrom, who doesn't Ah, yes, the great Keys Van Oostrom. We'll see what they did. Did well, you, you work, work on anything ever again after that? Hey, please report back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think one smart decision that the movie makes, though, is starting with Janelli. Like, we meet him early on mm-hmm, so that great. we are reintroduced later and we know why. Yeah. Um, they don't. I think at the beginning of the book, he wins a landmark case and the client never comes back. But in this case, he's getting Janelli off off, and it's important. We know Janelli is kind of like a shady character. Mm -hmm. We are charmed immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I I did like that. That's why Um, as much time as you spend with Janelli in the movie, it doesn't affect me as much as it does when you read the book. Because when you read the book, you're with this person, like you said, Mel. You haven't really hung out with at all. No. And now get, you're, you're getting near to the end of the book and we're spending like 60, 30, 40 pages with you him. You know, it's funny because that, that character reminded me a lot of the guy from Roadwork. Uh, yes, 100% agreed. I might and have I, mentioned I almost that. Want, and because it's another, it is a Bachman book, I, I really, I wanted it to be the same guy. Yeah, it, but, but it's, uh, it's wait, not. Wait, he reminded you of the main character from Roadwork? No, no, no. The, no. the mobster the guy. Mobster the mobster guy, guy that he oh, talks to. Yeah. Like, Sal. obviously, it's just written that. Isn't his name Sal? Like I think it is. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's an incredible callback. Like big Sal. Oh, man. Hey! So good. He's got all the stereotypes down. Big <laughs> Sal and Janelli are, like, well, perfect. And he also reminds me of, the, of uh, Darnell. <laughs> like, it's, they're yeah. all the same They're guy. all like these, like, just cigar-chomping guys. Yeah. Uh, Mike, any update on the great cinematographer? Well, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> you have 10 uh, seconds. We, we've, we've unfolded Mike, give me the big three. Keys Van Oostrom. Big three. Big three. Uh, 2013's A Perfect Man. What? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, Return to Lonesome Dove, 1993. Oh, really? With, uh, with John Voight, I believe. I Looks like John Voight. I don't know. Who cares? Mm. Um, he was a cinematographer for Profiler. Okay, that's a TV series. Where yeah. now we're now we've lost it. In, in 2011, he did the, some work on Smooch. You love that word. Smooch, Smooch is my favorite euphemism yeah. for kiss. Yeah. Justin also does a lot of... Um, Smooching? Uh, he does a lot of voice work. Uh, I do. I do love he, he dubs uh, smooching sounds. Kiss Foley work. Over kiss pre- Foley. pretty much any time anyone. sucking face. Anyone gives Only, a smooch. I'm, I'm called in for like big like, um, if you like ASMR, you, you're not going to like this. It's when somebody does something like you like, it goes in for the kiss and they go like. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember. Make it stop. Rand, Randall and I were sitting next to this guy in, uh-huh. in Rings, the movie Rings. <laughs> and there's a lot of, ki- surprisingly, there's a lot of, lot of kissing in that movie. And Justin would just keep doing that. And we could not keep it together. Rings uh, is a bad movie. I, I defend my. You know what? Honestly, though, that got, that got me through Rings. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll Rings, allow it. Tough hang. I mean, what, I mean, can you guys think of a better euphemism for kiss? Like, smooch is the best. Smooch it's a little bit onomatopoeic. It's not, like, gross. I don't know. I think, like, tongue fucking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. So, uh. the performance of this film are not, are not necessarily great. Have you ever had your first tongue fuck? <laughs> oh, well, let me ask this real you quick. Yeah, French, French kiss. My tongue fuck. Um, but, uh, French kiss end, is my favorite Lawrence Kasdan movie. That was actually originally called... Tongue fuck. It was, it was actually a picture of them on the bench and everything. Starring if you, if <laughs> you were... With the, with the cursive font. Well, let, let's, I guess let's talk about the change, uh, the change of the ending. Uh, yes. I guess that is what, what because we, our, this conversation I, has been leading okay. to. Because so, well, we're talking about smooches, and, and if you were Billy, would you smooch your corpse well, I think wife? They've established that Billy's absolutely crazy at this point, too, though. You know, he's crazy I at this point. Just didn't buy that though either, though. I think he's crazy. I didn't. I mean, he's I definitely mean, crazy in the book. He's got to be crazy to do that. Yeah. But here's the one. Here's what I want to talk about, though. 
in terms of the humor, the dark humor that they nailed, is when he knows his daughter's eating the pie, right? And she comes back in and he's devastated. And then she takes her finger and then goes in there and scoops one more and has one more for the road. That is so mean. Yeah. <laughs> mean. And you know what her fate is. I think that that's really, really good. That, that might be my favorite moment of the movie in terms of you really nailed the, the gallows humor here. Yeah. Even with the doctor involved, it's still, you know, thematically, maybe it's not the same, but it still captures that essence of the book for me, you know, like, yeah. cause the, the daughter still eats it in the book. Yeah. So that doesn't Literally. change. I guess just the conceit is different because he, you know, he goes after his wife because of the affair. Yeah. But in the book he wants to go after her because he's, she's harping he's on him. He's displaced what he did. Onto yeah. Her, you know? Yeah. Pre projected. That's, it. that's a really hard thing to convey yeah. in a movie. Yeah. The thing is the movie is also only 90 minutes long. And it's you also have short. 20 minutes with Janelle. You can only do so much character development, you know? <laughs> so it's like, this is maker. Yeah, he's, he's, he's having an affair. I, I definitely missed, and I think the book could have developed this more too, because I think it was the most important part of the book. Um, just the entire commentary on like classism mm-hmm. and, and the discrimination that the Romani face and why this is a fitting punishment and like what it means to consider how it is to live like that. Like they give it like a couple pages. They don't, you, <laughs> you know? Well, no, I feel like in the book, it comes up again and again. And yeah, Hopley has this, has this great monologue about it in the yeah. book that I love. Um, but the and to me, just... that's the center of the book. Like it's, it's the concept of justice. It's the concept of it being this like terrible thing that you can't really pass on in some people. And I guess that when they're saying, and even the tagline refers to that a little bit more. The yeah. punish, let the punishment fit the crime. Like they all become like these outcasts of society via whatever affliction they have. Yeah. But it's totally glossed over. And then the the representation of the gypsies in this movie, uh, yeah, they didn't really pay attention to it too much. They didn't no, really care. I, they, they, they were, were trying to make just that the catalyst, point, unfortunately. And that was really it. You know, we didn't. Oof. There was really no sympathy. There was more sympathy for the, the travelers in the book than there was in the movie. For, for sure. sure. Right. And am I wrong? Because again, I was tweeting through this entire movie and I'd never <laughs> seen it before, so I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff. Is Janelli resolved at all in the movie or do you just never no, see him again, he right? he disappears. <laughs> what is that all no, about? Just vanishes. Could you yeah. just have him go back and like, have hands in the car? Were they really like... I, I, I always hated that Janelli dies in the book. I love... that's my That, that payoff in the book is, is what works for me. Yeah, because thematically for the character it works. if he dies. <laughs> you don't... I guess you they just well, get his hand. Well, I think in the, no, I think they well, do they, say that they find them. They, like, yeah, the next chapter, they find the rest oh, of his they body. They found his like yeah. bullet ridden. Okay. But just uh, body. Why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you just ha- why don't you just go for it at this point in the movie? Just at you least can't kill that. out Joe Montana. <laughs> or then show him driving away. Wait, point. Babies stay out. He gets his head blown off. <laughs> it's an accident. But well, the baby there was a loose sequel where Janelli continues in 2008 called The Last Hitman. Uh, that he was in. Uh, I think that that if you fought, if you watch that, you'll get to find out what actually is that, happened. Is that part of the thinner verse that the, the they were building? Yeah, yeah, if you actually yeah, look at the they, logo they for that movie, the, the font gets thinner as yeah. it goes along. Um, Even though I, I do want to say though, the makeup on Heidi's awesome. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, oh, Her, yeah. that's grotesque. Ooh. That looks really good. But is it like did she get thin or she just like died? I think she withered oh, away. I think she just had an awful death. I think that's that was the curse, okay. right? If they if they eat the pie, they just have a, a really violent, quick death. Sure. Or I think it's it, because I at one point he says, "I make it worse, you know, for you that you pray that you had it, you know, before the way you had yeah. it before." I imagine when he makes that pie, it's at that that level that he was discussing or kind of hinting at before, which is why they go back. You know, they go so fast. Then again, like Heidi weighs nothing. So do you think you know, Limke actually made the pie, or did he like picked it up and then cursed? Like it? picked it up at like Costco or something. Yeah, was yeah. Like, yeah. like Costco. Or, yeah, Gina yeah. made it. 
have you oh. have you have you ever had a Costco pie? I mean, I'll tell you what, you're, you're taking a risk. Matt it is actually a risk. brought us a pie tonight. From We're going to have pie after this. But this pie is from Mariano's, and it's um, uh, safe from Gypsy's hands. Oh, that's curses. good, because I love cherry pie, and I, uh, you know, it reminds me of a nice little small town. You can go there uh, anytime oh, you oh want. God. It's Let's available on Netflix. Let's definitely cut this. Uh, um, two words. Twin Peaks. And you can get it right now. Two uh, mountains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're back. Uh, in I got six words for you. Let the curse begin. begin. <laughs> um, four words. So we're back on thinner, though. So, yeah, my favorite part of this entire movie is that beat with the daughter taking that second yeah, so little... Two scoop. seconds. That's yeah. good. Two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite... What's your favorite scary moment in this, Mel? What do you think? Did anything... Was anything scary to you? Did anything work the for you? The dolls are scary. Yeah. Um, and that was an addition, right? That was not in the book. There was no dream sequence. It's not in the book. book right? It's like a yeah. whole sequence that's not in the book. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's it. I'm trying to remember, like, when he's in kind of the state, the motel. The scenery was pretty cool. Like, I think, was it shot in Maine? Yeah. It was shot yeah. in Maine. Wow, really? Yeah. And in fact, mm-hmm. uh, a fun cameo from our Cy King. Oh, Does anyone right. know his yeah. name was in this movie? Give me the name. I'll try to figure out the reference. Pharmacist. He's a doctor. She's a pharmacist. Yeah, he's, he's a pharmacist. pharmacist. His name is Dr. Banger. Oh, that's oh. right. Oh. Dr. Bangor. Oh. Bangor. Bangor. Yes. Yeah. It would have been funnier if Very it was good. Dr. He Banger. He is really good in this. I, w- I will yes. stand by my tweet of the best King performance I've seen this far. I will say you might be right, actually. He, he also appears in the, in court later, doesn't he? Is he just like kind of sitting there? He, has, he is right before the, the woman gets hit. He's like a oh, witness. Yeah, so they yeah, bring yeah. him in to oh. testify. That's, that's right. That's right. Um, he's like, it was still... <laughs> He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Um, yeah, King's great as always. <laughs> There's not a lot of pound cake. I know we're kind of barreling through here. I mean, obviously, the, the the car scene is some pound cake, and of course, the Carrie Wurz. You know, yeah. You want to talk about like the slapstick vibe of this movie? Like when she That's leans down to go give him the blowjob, his face is like, oh, hi, dude. Like, it's so like uh, old y'all. school. Boom, boom. To, to go back to like scary moments, mm. since we kind of just left the cemetery a little fast, I would say no, we're still there. I don't know. It, this is a this, this, this cemetery just opened. The cemetery just opened. There's like one corpse. All right. Well, you know what? I think the whole sequence with uh, with Lita uh, Rossington is pretty creepy to me. I don't know. I just, She's good. The actress is good in that. The way that she tells it in her conviction kind of matched the book for me. Also, I, I don't no, know. See, that didn't it, that paled in comparison uh, well. to the book for me. I thought the way that it. I thought that she did it. She did an okay job in the scene with, with, with what was given to her. Hey, not Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Nah, Meryl Streep can't be in every movie. Okay, so just why because. Not, by the way, I, apparently she can and, and be nominated every year. But um, <laughs> whoa, shots fired. <clears throat> hey, I love Meryl. I just you know she's, she's, probably, my, she's probably my favorite I, actress. Just, That's a, you, know, you, know. What, you know, Meryl, hang it up. <laughs> hang it up. Give some other people a shot. I've heard of defending your life, but <laughs> defending your career, man. Uh, I'm um, kidding. I actually love Meryl Streep. Um, Big adaptation fan. What do you think Meryl Streep, uh, who do you, what, what role in what book of uh, Stephen King do you think? I think she'd be Judge Carrie Rossington. <laughs> oh, I think. C-A-R-R-I-E. Let's change it. Uh, Very good. I think she would have been, she would have made a, a great um, Mrs. White. Lisey's story. Let's happen. Let's let it happen, Meryl Streep. Yeah, let's make it, let's make an all-female thinner. Um, okay. <laughs> What? You said, like, just change it to Carrie. Carrie, like, see? Gender bent thinner. (laughs) Just change Um, all of it. Have, like, you know, a a female sheriff, like, a female Uh, hopley. (laughs) I just said Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, for Carrie Rossington. That would work. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you just choose, you switch all of them. 
What would that do? I think another option is that you just don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) There is always for still in the cemetery. One, I think, one of the most, one of the genuinely scary things is Mike's take on this movie. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, okay. We're not gonna go there. All right, okay. Yeah, I really don't have in terms of in terms of the spooks. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot to report, unfortunately. Also, do you guys think like I think the book hits this, or I'm sorry, the movie hits this way more than the book. In the beginning, when he is just beginning to lose weight, mm-hmm. everyone is on this guy about his weight, and they're commenting when he's losing it, and they're commenting when he's not losing it. It's like insane. Like, is this how older male friendships are? Like, it two things. Two things. Shame tastic. One, it's a small town. Two, yeah, that's true. It's the nineties. It's, it's a big guy in a small 90s, town. Nineties. It was such a weight obsessed era. Do you remember the previews for Clueless? It were the no. two, it was Alicia Silverstone and the crazy Republican that were Stacey Dash, Stacey Dash, who were at a table and they were literally counting calories, and that was the joke. Like, wait, it, it was a very weight obsessed time that no, there was no shame to it. That to me was, I mean, not scary, but it was very oppressive, and yeah. I thought the atmosphere was kind of like, wow, this this place is very weight obsessed in a way that uh, I thought that was effective. For yeah. me, in the beginning, anyway, and then in the beginning, how, how people are suddenly like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't a bad, a good thing, and maybe it's a disease. They could have like hit on so many things in this movie that they kind of just like let lie. It's a bit of a rush job. I guess it has to be, you know. But it, but you could have chosen one. I feel like they didn't choose yeah. one. You know. No, I agree. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Mac, do you have any other final things to say before we give our our big nosy ratings? What about the part where he like smacks his ass and says, kiss it? That's mm. incredible. Where, where's the gif on that? I mean, there's so many gif worthy moments on this. I want to go back and just video, video some That's of it. That's slapsticky. No. Oh, hold on. Yeah. No, hold on. I, I know what the worst moment is for me. Oh, okay. It's the very end when he lets the doctor and he goes, white doctor from town. Oh, yeah, that's so really lame. Weird. Well, it doesn't really if make you any doctor, sense. You would turn it's around so and be like, "All right, this person's clearly crazy." Just, just, just wink at that point. Yeah. Just wink at the camera at that point. It's like supposed to be this big, like, "Ooh, button." Like, no, that's all right. Question time. All right, Mike. <laughs> would this movie be better if Robert John Burke was swapped in with this era's Jack Nicholson? What? 80-year-old Jack Nicholson? I thought you were going hey, to say if Peter Weller was the character, and I would have said absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, <sighs> I Mike, you're saying if 80-year-old Jack Nicholson played Billy Halleck. He's not 80 years old. Oh, no, no, no. Now he is. Well, no, 90s era. You mean Jack. 90s era. That's what I meant, he yeah. means like, like as, as good, good as it gets. gets. Yeah. If you make me want to be a thinner man. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you get Helen Hunt as, uh, as Heidi. The cast of As Good As It Gets... <laughs> As thin as it gets. Oh, wait, so, 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 so it's like uh, Greg Kinnear is Janelli? Yes. <laughs> what if this is as thin as it gets? As thin as it gets. And he eats the dog. Skeet Ulrich plays oh, the doctor. He eats the dog. <laughs> yeah. Who plays Limpke in this? The Cuba, dog. Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. does, yeah, yeah. Show me Actually, the gypsy. No, Cuba um, Gooding Jr. would oh, have to be Now we're just traversing all the movies that were up for Best Picture that year. Yeah, hey, well, let's not? just swap in no, the No, because Cuba Gooding Jr. was in As Good As It Gets. Okay. Don't you remember? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Are we done with the cemetery? Sure are we out of the oh, cemetery? Oh, wow. Here's I, think I don't even know what, we're, what section we're in. This is an anarchic... Uh, oh, this you know. is, we're, just, we're just barreling through we're riffing, here at this point. We're riffing. This has been a good riff job. talking about the film. Well, this episode is going to be the cemetery of all our episodes. All right. Let's have just a little more fun, all right? All right. Good. Out of the best actor nominees from that year, mm-hmm. who would have done a better job? Tom Cruise would have been incredible. Tom Cruise would have been incredible. So you, you have Tom Cruise. A, bit Ray, of a Ray Ray Force performance. Jeffrey Rush. 
Billy Bob Thornton, Woody Harrelson. I would argue for uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Actually, yeah. Okay, he'd be good too. Yeah. You just I'm thinking about like the... Hearts of Fire or Billy Bob Thornton, you know. It's Bigger. a deep breath for me, and I don't know. Uh, I would he say was the man who was an old there. John Ritter sitcom, who was also in Sling Blade, by the way. And Billy Bob Thornton was a little bit bigger back yes, in the early was. 90s. Yeah. So I could see him doing this, yeah. Uh, I, would, I would say Woody Harrelson probably wouldn't do well with this film. Hmm. I think it would be too much. Too much for this movie. I could see him doing that. You think so? He has such yeah. a square face. You can't just like lose any flesh off of that That's face. True. I, I don't see uh, Ray Fine working this. No. It's too serious. It's too loose. Keep the accent. He's no. still be British. Tom Cruise in this in 96. You're thinking Jerry Maguire. You got Mission Impossible era Tom Cruise. I guess he's too young, but I think he'd be fine. You think so? Yeah, I think he'd be good. A fat version. I mean, we saw him in uh, Tropic Thunder. That's true. Yeah. It's the same makeup with everything, like the, the bald head and, yeah. the, and the beard and the glasses. That'd be terrific. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think even the best actors of that year would have elevated it much. That's why you got to go with Robert John Drake. At the end. Okay. If we also just reach it out to literally every other actor alive during 1996, I'm sure we could find somebody better than Robert John Burke. I'm okay, how about Thomas Jane, our old buddy? Uh, look, I love Tom Jane. Actually, Dude. speaking of, I want to say something about this, is I think you could do a, a version of Thinner today. I would love to see a Thinner on Netflix movie. A Netflix movie? Oh, I can see a Netflix movie. Dark, like, yeah. a, like yeah. a real dark, like a dark, like, like not well lit, just a dark Plus, version of this. now it, it would there. be socially conscious, yeah. and I think it'd be really good. I think you could what do What about it. a 10-episode season of Thinner? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, well, seven of those episodes would be the Ginelli stuff. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. So you'd have seven to really make sure Ginelli. whoever you cast as Ginelli would be like... Well, who run. would you cast right now as Ginelli? If we're doing the remake, could do right. it again. We're clearing the slate. We're clearing the slate. Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay as Ginelli. Okay. I really do. So in our remake of Thinner, you really could just bring Joe Montana back. I have no idea. What if he did? Netflix (laughs) walks through that door right now and says, we are commissioning you to remake Thinner. You got to come up with the director. Wow. Let's do it right now. You got to. As a movie, not a show. As a movie. As a movie. And we get 90 minutes. Maybe, maybe if we want um, 110 minutes, if we want, we get 20 extra minutes if we want it. I'm going to tell you. Who's the director? I'm going with Zach Hill that you did 1922. I, I want like that, that look. also. I want that look. Yeah. Have you seen, did you ever see 1922? No. I, I didn't want to read it first. So. Yeah. He also, that's such a, a good slow burn. He's, he's good at doing that. I think yeah. that that would be. So there you go. So what do you think? Reunite with Mike Patton to do that score too. Oh, I'm telling you, there's Ooh, some, yeah. there's some, there's, 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 there's still something to be done with thinner. I think that you can make something really dark and grimy. Also, and you were nasty. joking about this earlier, but I think you could gender bend it and yeah. make it about. Oof. Like body positivity. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be incredible. Yeah, you really could. I know we were making little fun bits, yeah, but you're right, Mel. So who, wait, who would play would the role? Would you still do the who whole play, uh, entire who would play the role of, character's yeah. name? Of, uh, we could still Bill. call her Billy, B- B-I-L-L-I-E. Yeah. That's true. Billy Hallick. Yeah. Billy and we'd still do the gypsy angle? Well, mm. we, we retitled Travelers or something like that or something else. I think you go all in. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Let's look at the best actresses from 1996. No, 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 no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. My big thing is I'm, I'm usually very averse to remakes and reboots. I, mean, I think you could absolutely do another thinner movie. I do, and too. Make a, yeah. And make a good thing out of it. And it could be completely different. Absolutely. There would be no, yeah. I would, could do like a three-episode thing, though, and where each one you could focus. Like the first one's the setup. Second one's Rossington, like the story and You're Trying like to that. find out what's going on. I think then, make it like a 105-minute movie. Boom. I don't think you need a three. Well, you know you what? Like they already series. did, and it wasn't any good. So Yeah, but I'm saying you could make a better movie, <laughs> like a better-paced movie if it's like 15 minutes longer. I could see Martin Short in the, the lead role. 
Uh, you know, he's, he wears Sean. that fat suit and, uh, you know, Glick. Jiminy Glick. Jiminy Glick. He brings back Jiminy Glick for this. Glicker. Glicker. Yeah, I like that. Wow. So, um, <laughs> where are we at now? What, what do we do? Overall. We're, I we're, think we're standing around this carnival. We gave our impressions. We were at the carnival. and Maybe it's a dream sequence. Maybe it's not. Um, some guy walk, just drove up making like exasperated, Wah, look at me, I've got scales on my face. Wah, get in the car. <laughs> um, that was a reference to Judge Kerry Washington. Um, Let's kick it off. Mel, you go first. How many bright red Pennywise clown noses are you giving 1996's Thinner? Out of five. Out of five. <laughs> I like, I like we're changing it for the first time. Out of four. <laughs> How many did I give Christine? I don't remember. Hmm. I'm going to give it. Like 1.5. Oh One and a half God. bright red Pennywise I feel Pronos. really bad because we interview the... Can I just say, <laughs> my, my, I love... Mike looks so Fright distraught. Night is one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, horror you're films. The same, I will the say page. this. Yeah, yeah. Which one is? Fright Night. Yeah. Fright Night is one of my all-time favorite So you're holding films. it up against other Tom Holland films. No, don't even do that. You're saying like no. you respect the director, but you still but like I mean, movie. Yeah, I, but I completely respect the director. I think yeah. Child's Play is great. Um, I, I honestly don't even know how much of my beef with thinner comes from directorial decisions. Mm. Um, so it has to do with Tom, like you, Tom. <laughs> and I'll be completely honest. Again, this is the first time we did a live tweet where I had not seen the movie beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I was on that thing looking for gifts and pictures <laughs> and, and history about the people. So I cannot, <laughs> I cannot give it a great. I, oh, I, this wow. is the first time I'm Justin, actually, I'm, I was tweeting look, too. I know, but I will say, well, yeah, I, I, I'm personally... From what I down. saw, I did not like it. I did not like it. You got to give it an approximation. Uh, if okay, from what I saw, I would probably give it like a, a one and a half bright red Pennywise clown. Yeah. I was just like I did not, I did not like it. And I, again, I and I love Tom Holland and I love his work leading up to this film. But yeah, it did not. Except for the Langoliers, he also did the Langoliers, which is not good. But um, Mac, I would also give it. Mike is so mad. But no, 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 hold, no, on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to give it one, one and a half bright red, bright, bright web, 20 wise <laughs> crown noses, right. and a little Billy Halleck doll on top of it. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> for Mike. It's a little bonus. If you All get right, three yeah. of them, you can trade them in right, for Mike, a medium so Billy Halleck doll. Yeah, I, I just pulled into the drive through at Burger King because mm-hmm. I'm getting a Whopper. Uh, I'm laying the, the big three down right. on this. I think this, is, okay. I think this is I will great. never besmirch somebody that's for enjoying fine. something. I think it's obnoxious. So if you enjoyed it, good. This is one wait, of my favorite on. rentals. You definitely besmirch me for enjoying something. <laughs> wait, wait, like, right. like uh, Maybe in this very episode, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the poster. The poster. I'm like, Mel, the poster sucks. Justin's no, like, no, I've but, never no, been Mel. mean to anyone for but, liking no, Mel, I, I All I said was, I did not like the poster. I didn't say, Mel, you're, Mel, mm. haha, Mel, you like the poster. I said, Mel, the poster sucks. Poster. Yeah, like, like, anyway, Mike, back to Mike. I'm sorry, back to Mike. The three. poster's mediocre. So, but, uh, poster's great. Yeah, so, what merits each start uh, or each nose? Excuse me. Excuse okay, me. Got, got three. Boom. I think my I think my uh, my boy Robert John Burke. He's uh, I think he's great in this movie. I really it? okay, do. It's a star for there's, him. There's one for him because I think that he. For me, him and Joe Montana. They just they. I feel like they get what's going on here and they go for it. Uh, two. I, I really like how unforgiving the ending is uh, in the sense that you actually kind of you get everyone. He basically mm-hmm. annihilates all the main core cast at that point. Uh, and three, I, uh, I like the decision that you don't see what happens with uh, Carrie Russington. And that has always haunted me. But you do see you him. Do see him. It's, but, you, but you see him late. It's like a, it, it doesn't even really count for me. It totally counts. It counts. Okay, so if we're, let's clean the slate again. <laughs> three, the, yeah, the, first, the first nose, 
goes to Tom Holland. <laughs> He's changing everything. Changing everything at this point. All right. Tommy Halls. I, I think the long road that he uh, he went on to uh, make this movie happen, he, he came in through at the end, despite the concessions he had to make. Okay. Two, Joe Montana. Just the whole start. I should also mention, for, for any cinephiles out there, that Joe Montana was in House of Games, which is a David Mamet movie. It's supposed to be great. I never saw it. I want to make sure that that's out there, too. He's not just... He's been a bunch of stuff. Go ahead. And uh, three, I'm going back with uh, Robert John Burke. I, I, I got to say, I think he's double he's, the John. Wait, double so the, double John, the Robert John Burke and Joe Montana got their got they're, one they're star on. originally, and now they're both getting a star. Well, they're it's they're, a they're nose, still first of all. still their nose. Oh, they, that's they, right. they each get their nose. So there's three oh, things I, I love about this movie. It should get any noses. But. Well, I, I you know this I'm is imagining Joe Montana on Criminal Minds with a clown nose <laughs> hey I, i'm imagining him as a uh, joe if you're li- joe if you're listening just well, that send comes us a out, photo of you with a clown nose that on. comes out to a i think it's like a 1.7 out of five probably pretty much clown noses yeah not bad <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> job everybody well we're, you know, we're, we're gonna round it up to two we should round it up to two you know why well, because I, I uh, our next section <laughs> we're talking <laughs> well no but here's the thing he, what I think it's better that we're honest because what are we supposed to do here? No, I think we. I think the, the the thing about this podcast that we've gotten a lot of good feedback about is how honest we are. Yeah, we are. Even though we're, we all love Stephen King, we all love a lot of those movies. Plus we're going to be honest. So hard. I mean, you know? I feel like every time we talk about a movie, at least I am constantly harping on like, why is it moved so fast? Well, Mel, it's because it's not a five hundred page novel. <laughs> well, it's a movie. <laughs> like, but yeah, but I, th- I think some of those adaptations still work, you know. But in this case, my big thing was the pacing, and I know Mel, you were saying your issue was there's. Just not a lot going on in this movie. Sure, and I think, um, but I think it would have been a totally different. I don't know if it would have been better, but my reaction would have been different if I had never read the book. Like, who knows what possibly, I would have yeah. said? And again, I can't say enough. Tom Holland's work, especially in the eighties, still means a lot. I think it's so much. All that stuff still holds up for me. So this is not a personal attack. It's still like the movie. So here's another thing, Mike. Did you see the film before you read the book? I did. See, that's so, see, that's another that thing. That is huge, yeah. right? It's a huge because we talked about this. We talked about this with other movies and, and, and everything else about the knowledge going into something beforehand, how that affects your, yeah. your take on the book Especially your age. or the movie and your, age. and your age. I was 12 years old when this came out. Of yeah. course, I'm going to remember it and love it. It's like prime time for horror yeah. for me. There's a lot of movies that came out around that time that I loved and I have no business loving now. I know. That I look back at them and I'm like, no oh, God, these are, these are not good. But, well, I mean, I, I do, do you guys talk, remember them fondly. talk about other movies, too? Well, we talk about uh, a couple films, but mostly we stick to Thinner. Okay. He, he, wants, uh, he wants to come back to talk about the Langoliers. Well, I would oh, love. Yes. I've got a lot of good questions about Langoliers. Yeah, well, Bronson Pinchot is amazing in that, and i got to ask him about the ending. I've got to ask him about the ending of that. I think but, a lot of people wanted some answers about that ending. But I'll tell you, I, I think he yeah, I think he also wants some answers, answers about the ending. Well, you know what? What better way to segue into Mike's interview with Tom Holland? So stick around for that. Let's go. Did you weigh yourself? 297. Billy, you were 297 last week. It takes some time for these diets to work. For Billy Halleck, life is sweet. Maybe I gotta rub the Buddha! Bigger is better. I hate it when you do that. No, you love it. And too much is never enough. Winning! Winning! You have got to stop eating like that. I can't help it, Heidi. All I think about is food. But tonight, all of that will change. You kill my daughter and I curse you. Finner. From the best selling novel by Stephen King comes the new shape of terror. 
This diet you're on, what is it? I don't think you'd like it, Henry. I'm being erased. Fear the power. That old gypsy put a curse on me. That's all your fault if you hadn't hit that old lady. Beware the danger. This is getting out of hand. This has been out of hand, and I'm just the guy to put it back. Believe the curse. Please, take it off before this goes any further. I never take it off. Stephen King's Dinner. More terror. Less filling. Hello? Hello, Michael. Yes. Yeah, it's Tom Holland. Hey, how you doing? Okay, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm just uh, here in Chicago. It's a warm day. One of the first warm days we've had in probably five or six months, so pretty happy. Oh my, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, yeah and we're, we're in May, you know? I know. This is, uh, it's pretty wild. It's, we didn't really have too much of a spring. It was kind of like a frosty winter mild winter i guess towards the I end i did my i did my freshman year at northwestern oh really yes oh and awesome i you don't know cold <laughs> until you know you're walking early morning with the wind whipping in off the lake I mean, you know, oh, absolutely. I remember I used to, put a, used to put a scarf across my mouth and it was solid ice from the, from the, from the <laughs> yeah. condensation by the time I got to class. That's actually uh, where my uh, my wife went to uh, college. Uh, she loved uh, I And I've been to the campus a bunch of times. It is a cold campus. It's right there on the lake. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's miserable. I've only actually been there during the winter, which is unfortunate, I guess. But, um, yeah. Well, it's also it's the reason I came and shot Child's Play there. Yeah, I was I was comfortable there. I knew it, but I, I I'd forgotten the brutality of the cold. Anyway, tell me what's going on. You're doing a, a podcast about Stephen King's work. Yeah, so I'm uh, one of the co-hosts for the Losers Club. We're a Stephen King podcast. Uh, we we started about a year ago, and uh, well, a year and a half at the, at this point, but. And we've been chronologically going through every one of Stephen King's books, and we finally got oh to God. yeah, <laughs> we finally got to uh, Richard Bachman's Thinner uh, this past week. So you got to the Bachman books, and you've gone through a few of those, and you've ended up with Thinner. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. We've uh, this is pretty much the last one where he's still where people don't know yet that he's Stephen King, and I think it's after this that he gets outed. So it's been exciting. I mean, I love the long walk. It was a little mixed on. Running Man and Rage, and I didn't really like Road Work, but I love Thinner. And your movie was actually one of the first Stephen King properties I touched upon as a kid because right when I was going to Blockbuster left and right and running horror movies, and I remember it coming out and being like, all right, I got to get this movie. This is, it's got Joe Mantegna in it. It looks like it's going to be like a total freak show <laughs> through, from front to back. And it really stuck with me. It's, Thank uh, you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, you know, because I, I know that uh, after doing some research, I know you had some issues with the ending and how it was taken, but I, I got to say it definitely is it definitely stuck with me in a way that a lot of his other stories didn't and um so i was really excited to get to this book and i was really excited it, to it, be able to talk to you so yeah it's it's hard to figure out because you're talking about something in it probably thematically that that speaks to you yeah that's such an individual you know kind of thing but you're 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 lucky to have to have it you know? <laughs> yeah. well so I, I think it's like the way. hopelessness like you know this this idea that you would have this curse and there's literally nothing you can do about it is kind of scary. I mean, it's not kind of scary. It's very scary. Um, and I, and I think that's, there's something, 
just that that whole supernatural element of just being out of control is terrifying. See, I thought it was a character piece. <laughs> well, it totally is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You but know. that's what interested me in it. Yeah. So when you coming into thinner. Well, I mean, actually, what, what are your, some of your earliest experiences with Stephen King, though? I mean, had you read him growing you up? Should have call, you should have called me when you, when you talked about Langoliers. Oh, well, we will be talking about Langoliers soon. We haven't gotten to four past midnight yet. But so you, I, want, you, want to, you want to call me about that? Oh, absolutely. The, absolutely. So that's, that's where I met Stephen online when I did Langoliers. Yeah. Had you, had you been reading his books at all prior to that? Or? I was a fan. I mean, I, I was thinking about that when, 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 when my son Josh told me about this. The, yeah, I'm like a contemporary. You know, I mean, I, discovered, I didn't discover Carrie. I, 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 the movie, yes, but the, the, it did, the, the book, I hadn't read him yet. And then I read The Shining. Mm. And I be, I became a, a huge fan, and then I went, and then at a later date I went back and and, and, and read Carrie, but you know, yeah, and I thought the, the the short stories you were just talking about, the long long walk, one of them, yeah, I yeah. mean there's there's some you know, some there's some terrific stuff in there in those short stories. That's early work. Anyway, I, th- I think it's really interesting, and then you, then you get to Bachman, and you know the the. The output is 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 outrunning what he can put out under his own name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, it's it's unbelievable that he created unbelievable. I mean, he created a pseudonym just so he could release more stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, but I mean, you know, most people struggle to do one oh, a yeah. year. Yeah, a year, yeah. a year. You no. know, I mean, you, you know, I've been a writer, you know, along with you know acting and oh, directing, totally. but I've been a writer pretty much all my life too. Mm-hmm. So I have a huge, overwhelming respect for for what Stephen has been able to accomplish. I, I mean, I can I, I'd, be, I'd be you know going off here a little bit, going off uh, uh, thinner. But when I was shooting Langoliers, you know, we, he had a part in it, mm-hmm. and we were shooting in Bangor, in Bangor, Maine. Yeah, and he came down, and he was a nervous wreck. Because he was called earlier, and I thought this was like a definitive Stephen moment. It told me something about him as a, you know, as, as you know, as somebody, you know, with with with, with the high work ethic. Yeah. Anyway, he was a nervous wreck because you know you, you always call people in, you know, two, three, even four hours early, mm-hmm. and I work because you, know, you never know how it's going to change. And God forbid somebody says, "No, let's forget that scene. Let's jump to this one." And oh my God, the actors aren't there, you know. <laughs> So they call people. Stephen was a nervous wreck because he wasn't back in the study at his at his typewriter type typing. Oh my god! I mean, I'm I'm going back. He had he had a um, a word processor, mm-hmm. and he he had. I stood in awe of this. He said that he had a grease board up in his study. And he wrote on one story in the morning and on another one in the afternoon. Oh, my God. And it just blew me away. I mean, he wasn't bullshitting me. He was serious. I didn't ask whether they were short stories or, or, or novels or whatever. But, I mean, the, the, the work ethic. And I think you see that through the Bachman books. And then I think everything changes with the accident. 
How many, how many years after the Bachman books were the accident? I can't remember. Uh, the accident was sometime, I believe, in the late 90s, maybe the early 2000s. It was, it was right around the time he started doing, like, Dreamcatcher. And after that, he knocked out, like, all the Dark Tower books because he was worried that he was never going to finish them um, at that point. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting with the accident. It kind of it gave him another chapter in his life. Like it, it just, it's, we, we talk about it a lot on the podcast and about how, how weird it is that something so terrifying and so close to death and so tragic in a way really did open up this whole other life to him. I mean, he, he started doing different writing. He was, he did a lot of dramas. Like, uh, there's, there's one that, um, one of his best books actually, eleven twenty two sixty three, came out like 12 years or 11 years after the accident. And, it's one of his best books and, and, and he just, it's interesting. It just, it gave him like another resurgence, uh, in okay, some way. Wait a minute. Love and what? It's called 112263. It's, um. Oh it's, yeah. The JFK. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Yeah, you're book. right. You're right. You're right. And that, yes. And I, I would argue for that also with Duma Key. Oh yeah. You know, you yeah. know, because you have been involved with that on and off trying to get it done. The, uh, but anyway, the, the, to go back, you're probably looking at the, the prime of the pre-accident Stephen King with the Bachman books, mm-hmm. his control of it, you know, of the, of, of the form. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean if, you, if you look at it, the, the novel-wise, the, the, you know, the thinner is just very, very well composed it's a linear story it's a, it's almost a movie you can see it oh totally but it but it dealt with it dealt with with uh, moral issues that were probably that, that that were heavier than 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 what most movies are designed to carry in other words the fair is more serious mm-hmm. but you know the thematically it's a more it's more thinner is a very serious book in a way oh totally yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, that that's my that's my whole thing about the ending, because it was. I consider it, you know, along with, Fright Night, and if you, it's it's definitely one of my, you know, one of my two or three best works, the best movies, the uh, moral jellyfish gets squished in the end. Yeah. And that is a direct Stephen quote. Okay. Now that that means you're not going to have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. I mean, and honestly, it's fitting. I, I feel like with horror, you kind of have to have a bad, you know, a dour, sour, whatever you want to call it, ending. Because what's the point? I mean, you're supposed to go into this getting scared. You're supposed to walk out with something or feeling something, I guess. And that's why I think, honestly, or ultimately, like some of the best horror movies are those that really stick with you that have that sort of like yeah. how the hell did they do that ending and but that the well, ending was was a problem though for for a lot for a long time though right i mean you, that was one of the i wish that, i wish my original ending was on it i wish i'd fought for it i've never had a movie that tested like that yeah it tested it gripped the audience and it held them until the last two minutes or three minutes and then i think there was something confusing mm-hmm. in it and also it was so bitter and so um, it hitch, I think you had over the period of time you'd come to to identify with Billy, the actor played by Robert John Burke, who did a hell yeah. of a job. Oh, way. absolutely. Yeah, and the the uh, 
but you you can do identify with them, and you didn't want them to lose, or at least not lose that brutally, as in as in the original ending in the book, and that's what I shot. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the something the the audience didn't like it, and they didn't understand it. I think, but I'll I'll never quite know because I never had the experience before. And the movie has you know was not a success when it came out, and it's done nothing but grow. Yeah. In terms of, of public recognition, I mean, I, it's certainly better known than Langoliers, I think. But Langoliers was a miniseries. But, you know, but anyway, so there's something that really works for an awful lot of people in, in or the movie, but it's also sort of unremittingly dark. Oh, <laughs> Because yeah. everybody is corrupt to one degree or another. Well, that's what's so funny about the story is that it's so, the story itself <laughs> is this kind of, it's it's such an old school, like almost like 70s style novel where you get this. I mean, everyone's just really despicable. Like, I mean, every character, I mean, the yeah. judge sucks. Yeah. The sheriff sucks. Nobody trusts each other. Billy hates his doctors. <laughs> the doctor's an asshole. The doctor's doctors are assholes. Like, I mean, it's just it's so funny just how much like how conceited everyone is. And then also how like paranoid everyone is, too. I mean, even Janelli, who's pretty much I mean, it's telling that the most lovable person in the whole book is a right, crime right. boss. Well, he's a charming guy. Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe Montaigne is a charming guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. He is so charming. Um, um, well, but, uh, the, the, en- yeah, the end thing that I had on there is that was that 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 that, that Billy, you know, is going to get revenge on his wife who's been cheating on him with the doctor. Yeah, and he's he's taken his curse and he's moved his curse from him, and he's gotten it in the strawberry pie. Mm-hmm. You know, like he'd be forced the the gypsy to help him, and so he's got it in the strawberry pie, and he leaves it downstairs in the morning for his wife. Because he knows she loves strawberry pie, and she always gets up before he does. And she takes a piece of it, she'll take the curse on it, and she'll starve to death, mm-hmm. which is a fitting revenge. And instead he gets up, and he walks downstairs, and it's not his wife standing there who just ate the piece of the strawberry pie. It's the only person in the world he loves his 17-year-old daughter. Yeah. And she turns, and she leaves the house, and Billy is standing there knowing what he's done. And the only way he can save his 17-year-old daughter is by by eating a piece of the pie himself and taking the curse back away from her. Yeah. And and he does that, and I and I had a long, slow pull-out tracking shot away from him, you know, making him look diminished and, and more and more isolated. And I'll tell you, the the audience has consistently hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. You know, but everything else, all the way through until there. They're all in. That's so weird, because it's such a dark and disturbing movie anyway, that it's like, <laughs> what, what did you expect? Um, well, I've, I've got a question for you. It was not a success in its, in its initial release. However, Indian Grave, give me the name, the title. Oh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, directed by Mary. Yep. The that was a huge success, mm-hmm. and and that, as I remember, is a bitter story too. It's got a very sad ending too, um, or not well, a sad, sad but dark. Is, sad is different. Yeah. That is, if, it, if 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 Pet Cemetery ends sadly and it's emotionally moving because somebody you care about loses. Yeah. That's one way. But Thinner didn't play like that. Thinner played like, you know, being done in by your own thirst for revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Which you is, know? it's almost like you start wondering, like, God, what was the whole point? 
of everything that he did. But at the same time, that's that's such a moot that's such a moot point because it's I, I don't know. I'm always the type of person that believes the journey is far more interesting than the actual conclusion. But I I, I don't know. I thought it was I, I thought it, the 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 unfortunate ending for Billy, <laughs> if I want to call it that is fitting for his character. And I, I don't know why anyone would expect otherwise. It's just, it's so, well, you know. You bought, you, you bought it in the novel. Yeah. And I can't remember why, but, I, but I, I don't remember it disturbing me in the novel. But I think people came to like Billy too much, you yeah. know, and didn't want him to lose that badly. So, I, you know, I put in the Philip end, I put in the, the, the flip ending there, you know, where you know he's going to give it to the doctor. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to go through, you know, the, the wife and all that. So anyway, anyway, so I, I, you know, I feel like I feel like thinner. The movie is like a ninety-seven percent success. <laughs> well, I, I think it's definitely uh, hits all the beats to the story. I know that there is some. I just had re- actually listened to one of your interviews recently with uh, Keith Phipps from uh, Uprocks and. You had talked about how one of the one of the actual stories that the you regretted the fact that you had to get you had to cut a scene with uh, Judge Kerry Rossington, which was yes, I felt terrible about that, and I feel terrible about that, and I feel even worse about it in retrospect. Yeah, the studio came down on me about money, and they wanted to because the fat suit was taking too much money and too much time, and I thought I had to protect the fat suit, you know, at, at all costs. Yeah, and so there was the, the scene that I had in the screenplay, and I want to I want to give a, a a nod here in a second to 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 the guy who first wrote it, Michael McDowell. Yes, but but anyway the the anyway I gave up having the judge as the lizard man in the bathtub as a makeup effect. Yeah, you know? and I but I should have had it because it was right for the movie. And you look at it in retrospect, I played it as a scene with the judge's wife with him upstairs. The horror on scene. You know, so anyway, I made, I made a big mistake there. But, so. I will but otherwise, say, I stand behind everything. I will the say the, the imagination that it plays with you. Because, I mean, that was one of the most haunting sequences in the book for me. It was when she's, you know, basically... Lena is, is basically explaining everything that's going on to her husband. And I thought the movie does a really good job in being able to withhold that and making sure that you're just, your, your mind just kind of fires away with it. Um, having said that, I would have absolutely loved to seen the, the bathtub sequence. <laughs> Cause that yeah. is, it, it, I always wondered like, what the hell? Cause I guess he does come back. He, I mean, he comes back and picks up Billy later on in the movie, but well, you show the sheriff's face, you show what's happening with everybody else. Yeah. So, Yeah. But any anyway, you know these are these are you know it, it, it's all interesting. The uh, but I was thinking about because your your podcast is about Stephen overall, right? Mm-hmm. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, you spent you spent almost what two years in Maine because you were shooting Langoliers one. In, in... I, I can't say enough about Maine. <laughs> Positive about Maine in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely in the summer. I can't imagine. <laughs> Can't imagine being up there during the winter. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, well, like I, I got called back for pickups in Camden, and it was Halloween. Okay, now Camden is just gorgeous. The oh, whole, yeah. The whole East Coast is all the way at the Bar Harbor. But I mean, it was, and, and it's just, just, it's just wonderful in the summer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got called back at Halloween in October, just about that time to do it. And the wind was coming in with the water from the lake, like in Chicago. Yeah. Except there, it's from the ocean. 
And I got to tell you, man, it's a biting cold. Oh, yeah. It's a wet cold. Oh, God. You know, you know that from Chicago. Yeah, and I can't even imagine what it would be like with just the ocean, though. Oh, my God. Um, it's It looks cold. I mean, this movie looks cold, to be honest with you. I mean, like, it seems like, uh, I mean, I don't know when what the, the dates were for you when you shot thinner, but everyone does look pretty, it, it, it looks like a very... I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's so gaunt and he's thin and he's dying. You know, he's dying and everything. But I always got the sense that movie you, gets colder in terms of the color as it goes on. It does. Or at least that's what I was trying to achieve. Well, it's interesting because when he's sitting at the bench with uh, Lumpy at the end, it is just. I just imagine it being like twenty degrees. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah. just absolutely frigid. Um, did you? There, when, there were a terrific cast, by the way. Yeah. You know, Montoya and you know Montagna and. Uh, uh, name just went out of my head. The Gypsy King, Michael Constantine. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Just, I mean, terrific actors. Well, he he pops up again in uh, my big fat Greek wedding, and I remember as a kid being terrified because um, it just I couldn't take him as anything else except for uh, in thinner, just because it's such an iconic role. For him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like watching this rom com. Like, Stay away from him. <laughs> Stay away. Just leave him at the corner of the wedding. Um, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, with, with, with Maine, though, uh, when we talked to Mary Lambert for uh, Pet Cemetery, she had said that you just could tell that King is this mayor of the area, basically. Like, everyone worships him. Everyone, he's so beloved. Did you, when you were working there for Langoliers and also for Thinner, did you get that, did you get that aura from him? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there, there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of reasons he's really from Maine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I don't know how to tell people this, but when I met him on Langoliers, he he was he wasn't quite Stephen King yet, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. He re, still really had something of you know of a high school English teacher in him. Yeah, you know, and something sort of goofy. The uh, nice, always very very nice. Oh yeah, me, you know. <laughs> but then I think the time we met on Thinner. Somehow, you know, you could feel that you could feel there was, you know, there was a, you know, growing, and the, the reason the state loved him, he supported the state all throughout his life, and mm-hmm. he, he's pushed for, you know, bringing work to the state, and that's why we shot Langoliers and Thinner there, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, you know, so he's he's done a lot for the state, and he's done a lot in charity too, and I think it's hidden. But I think that that he, you know, he's worked. Uh, I think through Tabitha. I think money went to to the libraries. But I mean, he's done things like that. I know. Yeah. No, he's very charitable, and he's he's actually recently even helped out uh, some like local stores. There were some damages that happened to like a bookstore that he's contributed a lot of original manuscripts to and and he came in and he just he was like hey just let me know what you need and i'll help out uh so it's he's kind of uh i guess harrison ford's supposed to be like that and uh where is he i guess he lives up in wyoming but the, the very like you know somebody that's larger than life that still is just so it could be so humbling also, but I love it. I mean, it's, it's, that's just great. Did you something, something about, something about Steven has stayed real. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I I mean, I haven't seen him now for a long time, but a quality is still going to be, he couldn't write like he writes and like, cause he writes so much. What do you, you know, it's, 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 it's a middle-class sensibility, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's our world. It's not a rich man's world. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it was. He, write, he writes an everyday world. He does, which is why I think so many of his characters, why he connects with so many readers, I would imagine, but just because they're so approachable. I mean, you get like the Stu Redmonds from like the Stan, who's the, the right. you know, the almost like a Bruce Springsteen in a way. Um, and then you get like, you know, somebody even, I mean, I guess that's what makes Thinner so fun for me is that if it's, it's him playing with like the aristocracy almost because they're all so ritzy. And, well, I'll tell you how you know. insane I am. The, I was offered thinner in the stand at the same time at Warner Brothers. Oh, wow. And I want, I chose to do thinner. Okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, and, I mean, as a, as a commercial bet, that's insane <laughs> because the stand is so much more of a commercial piece of work. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there was, there was no way at that, like the script was very, very long, but you could not get that into a movie. Mm-hmm. They did it right doing it as a miniseries. That was the way to do it. Mick Garris directing. Yeah. Would you have... did a terrific job? Oh, he, yeah. I love, I love his work on the Stan miniseries. It's interesting under, though. Under difficult circumstances there. Well, I'll tell you another story about that. Stephen was, Steve, I, I acted in it. Stephen acted mm-hmm. in it. Stephen never had a book out of his hand. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, so you, what you're look you're looking at somebody who's driven. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I never got, I never got that kind of personal with him, you know? No. But I mean, there's, there's a huge, and I understand that actually, but there's a huge emotional compulsion because it sure as hell ain't about the money. There's a huge emotional compulsion to tell stories. Mm-hmm. That's very, very, very rare. You know? Well, it's interesting because you want you you look at him on Twitter, and we do a biweekly show um, about just his tweets, and and he he's so ingrained in pop culture that you just see that he still consumes it. And like he recently, someone asked him on average, how many books do you read per year? And he said 80. And we were all just like, Jesus Christ, we can't even read 50, let alone like he still writes books on top of that. And it's just, he's so regimented with pop culture that I think he's never really left it. I think he's always just been a fan and he's always been able to be a contributor to it, which is part and parcel why I think he's so successful is because he's just, he's never not been in tune, you know? Um, and that's, he, uh, it's you great. You know, I mean, yes. I mean, yes. But how does a poor boy from the backwoods of Maine? I mean, look, it was a big deal for him. I mean, I don't know this, but I know this because I'm from the, the same kind of background in a lot of ways. But I mean, I'm, I'm like the first guy to ever get through college and I decided on my family. Yeah. I bet Stephen was too, although I never asked him. The uh, and I I just I'm doing a an introduction for uh, EC Comics, the the Dark Horse. Oh, awesome! Get, yeah, I'm giving a plug here, but they're doing these 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 this, these bound volumes of the vault. These EC comic books, horror comic books. Yeah. And I st- I would you know and I I started to read a couple of you know a few of them yesterday. <laughs> well, I mean if you if you start to read EC comics, you'll start to see where Stephen King was coming from, because when I was a boy and reading them, he was a boy too and mm-hmm. reading them. Yeah. And, you know, I never thought about that literally until, you know, yesterday when I started <laughs> to take a look. Because Dark Horse sent me, you know, the, you know, you know, five volumes, you know, asking me to do an introduction to the next, to the next group. But, I mean, terrific. Ter- yeah. You can see the ideas in here. You can, see the, you can see the twist ending, the setup and the twist ending. You can see the bitter bit, you know. You can see the bad guy get screwed. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, and you look at that and you'll, you'll see, you'll see a lot of EC comics echoing in Stevens work, especially the short stories. Oh, totally. Totally. I, I mean, that's, I think that's gone now because he's older, you know, he's dealing with different issues. Yeah, he hasn't done, I mean, he's done some short story collections over the years, but that there is something that he said about his 70s and 80s output with, like, yeah. short stories. They're just, they yeah. do capture that EC feel for sure. I mean, they're just so, I keep using that word, but pulpy, like, they're very, it's just... i have forgotten about it, though, until I started reading him again with, yeah. with this Dark Horse stuff edition. Well, have you you've seen Creepshow? I mean, that's a he's oh, like oh god yeah yeah that's yeah, his yeah, like yeah. big homage. Show. I love that. I mean, it's just it's that's kind of how I got introduced to EC Comics too. Is just because I had never, I just was you know a generation removed from it, and and I just couldn't, you know, I just missed it. And then I'm like going back to it, I'm just like oh my god, these are a blast. I just stayed up all night reading them, and just they're you know with the flashlight and everything, it was great. But um, well, I I grew up on them after they were banned. <laughs> No, and when it was like you passed around at the at the pool hall or the yeah. bowling alley, you yeah. know, like like a, you know, it was good, you <laughs> know. But awesome. that would that would be. I, I, I'm sure Stephen was going to the same thing at the same time or close to it. They were banned in the mid '50s. There was some kind of reaction, and the government clamped down. You know, on censorship. <laughs> They're like, this is enough. So they become these illicit things. But yes, you can see you can see so much of it echoing in Stephen's earlier work for sure. Well, you you'd mentioned that you chose so out of between the the stand and thinner you chose thinner. And well, thinner. It took thirteen years to get thinner that, done because the ending was 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 so brutal. And that's what I was going to ask. Because were scared the, to death of it. You still you stuck with it though. I mean, it, it, you never gave I up did. on it. Yeah. But I but I, I tell you, I'd be I'd, I'd be very very leery of. I'd be, I think sad is okay, but I think you know I think just crushing them is, is perhaps not the most audience enduring way to go. How about, um, with, when you had originally, uh, you'd mentioned Michael McDowell and he had done the original script for it. Yes. I wanted, he did the original, he did the original draft of thinner, you know, and he also did an amazing, he also wrote an amazing stories. I did one with Jonathan Cryer. Yeah. And then he also did, the first tales of the crypt that I that I directed called "Come Hack to Me." Uh, that's the third one ever made, and that's EC Comics. Yep. Yep. The, the you know I mean, but anyway, Michael Mc, so all this whole group, in a way, everybody this this group is sort of more or less contemporaries. I think that Michael Michael was a good friend of Stephen's wife Tabitha. I'm not sure he used Stephen well too, but he was he was friends with Tabitha. They may have gone to college or something. I can't remember. The uh, but there was a sensibility at that time too. You know, it's anyway. Yeah. Amanda Plummer was in was in the the Tales of the Crypt that Michael wrote. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Michael was this terrific terrific writer, and you know, and he, then he left us too soon. Yeah. So you know, and I wish that. I wish that I shot it as he wrote it and put the goddamn judge in the bathtub. <laughs> so did you, you, you did a, you did a few rewrites on it though yourself. Did you, what did you have to really, did a I lot did, of his stuff a, stay? I did a light pol. I did a light polish on it, okay. but I can't remember now. I certainly did not. I didn't any, I didn't in any way change Michael's structure. It was, it was mostly Michael's script. Yeah. 
Well, I know that, like, you know, it's interesting that you had mentioned that when you went from Langoliers to Thinner, it kind of felt as if King had, you know, there was a shift there. And it's interesting, well, at that time, there, I mean, he's writing some of the most prestigious works that he's, you know, he's written. Like, he was publishing The Green Mile. He had a terrific run. He had four or five of them. Oh, yeah. Give me the the titles. Give me the titles. He had, uh, I mean, at the time, he was doing, um, it was like, he had just finished, like, Dolores Claiborne. He was going into Insomnia. Uh, He did, like, Rose Matter and Green Mile and Desperation, The Regulators, and you know, the especially like the, the Green Mile and then Shawshank Redemption had just come in theaters Green, Green in 94. Mile is just terri- Green Mile is a terrific piece of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the way he released it was interesting, too, because it was, it was like the little serials that he kind he did, of... He did Charles Dickens with it. Though. Yeah. I said that for, I said that for years. Stephen King is America's Charles Dickens. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, he can, he can do different forms. You know, it's really quite amazing. Well, it's, well, at this at this point, when Thinner comes out, it's already been. I guess he's kind of already shifted in some of the more dramatic area of of his work, especially with just Shawshank coming out and it was nominated and all this other stuff. So, I wonder did it, did Thinner feel like an outlier at this point? Like you know, or, yes. yeah. No, it did. It did, but it was an outlier. And talking about in the world of movies, motion mm-hmm. pictures, nobody wanted to make it because of the ending. Oh my god! <laughs> Gosh, it's so frustrating. And, and, and but then there's like thematically. I ran, I ran. I ran into the same thing on uh, Children of the Damned with Universal. They just wouldn't. They they're just like, yep, change the ending, give us something happy, let them yes. run off. Yes. The now there, the push was for a happier ending. Oh my god! And I mean, and I, I wouldn't do it. Wes Craven wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm being bitchy, and John Carpenter did. So anyway, <laughs> well, I think uh, I don't think he's I don't think he looks uh, too fondly on that one as much any, uh, either way, though. Although I think he did include one of the themes on one of his albums last year or something. But well, Stephen 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 took the the the, the, the premise of uh, of uh, Children of the Dam. That's yeah. what the, the I always thought that's what the the dome is about. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That's, that's, that's the setup. That's the setup for, uh, for Children of the Damned. Yeah. The town is encased in a dome that nobody can see. They can't get in <laughs> or out. They're totally cut off. The following day, the dome disappears, and all the women in, in town of childbearing age find themselves impregnated. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... That's Children of the Damned. It's a very strange, strange, strange story. Um, the, the original's a terrific movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have, I mean, I think it's been, it was a, God, it's been forever since I've seen uh, Carpenter's version. I think, honestly, it might have been since, like, it first hit video, like, back in the 90s. So, it's been a long, it's been a while. Well, it's hard keeping up. If you're just able to keep up with all the Stephen writes, you're doing well. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's, at this point, we're... Oh my gosh, we've we've pretty much covered all of his iconic works up to this now. At this, I mean, it's from here on out. We got like it, and we have a, a few other big stories. But I mean, we've had, we've covered Cujo, we've covered Christine, we've covered Carrie. I mean, it's all the big all the big names and stuff. So um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting when we start getting into some of his like more cerebral stuff. That because in the nineties he started getting a little uh, interesting with like some of his works i mean like dark half is 
you know, it's, it's harder to actually like kind of pull a hook out of it. You know, like with thinner, you, which you know, one, which one? Well, any of Dark them in like the nineties, like, like with dark half, I guess it's about more about like pseudonyms and doppelgangers, I, I would say, but like, but then you get into like, you know, like Gerald's game or Dolores Claiborne or, um, the, you know, Rose matter, the green mile. It's like, it's a little harder to just say like, you know, with Christine, you could say, Oh, that's the one with the killer car, you know, Cujo. Oh, that's the one with the dog. Like, these are just no, a little. He started to he started to expand beyond genre with those with those titles. You're yeah, about. yeah, which he is started interesting. to experiment and go into other forms. But um, but yeah, so back. I mean, without getting uh, sorry for strain a little bit, but um, with with thinner though, you know, one of the things I love about your work is that you you really strive for practical effects, and I think especially nowadays where everyone is just such a glutton for CG and it just drives me nuts. But um. With, it's with, easy and it's cheap and it's fast comparatively. Ah, oh, but it's so it's fast so... compared to doing it in camera. You watch somebody; they're going to remake thinner. You know they are. Yeah. And I'll bet they'll try. I bet they'll try a CGI fat suit. They they probably will. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's interesting though because it's I don't see how they could do it without it though. I mean, I feel like oh, it's God. such a. I feel like some of the practical effects have to stay. And I feel like Thinner does a really good job with him. I mean, I know that um, Robert John Burke lost a lot of weight for the role, but I mean, he, he gained it and then he lost it. Yep. I mean, he 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 deserves a lot of applause. He did a terrific performance. Oh my God! You know, but I mean, I found him very likable, so maybe that's why I think he's sympathetic. But then I'll have other people tell me it's the bleakest movie they've ever watched that everybody <laughs> has hated. <laughs> tell, them, I don't know. tell them to watch the mist uh that'll be that'll uh spin their heads around in terms of an ending that really uh puts you over the edge but um because that, that that ending is just i remember sitting in theaters for that one and just being like uh, that's not the how the book ends that's interesting all right well yeah. good job yeah. um but, but blame it on the audience yeah back yeah. in 1996 or whatever it was the yeah. Well, I mean, when you think what what Stevens done, I mean, you, you know, there never a lot. He broke it open. He he took horror, and he he took it to to the to to, to the mass audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was really sort of a bywater when we were kids. I mean, even even you know, even horror novels and that kind of thing. I'm trying to think, but you had you know you had. You had Tom Tryon who broke through a little bit, and you had uh, the the Exorcist, William Peter Platy, but Stephen was the one who had sustained success and took the genre and took it out into into the, into the rest of the country. Yeah, you know, it almost yeah, became like I mean, a lifestyle at that point, as opposed to an event. You know, like well, I mean, I I'd, I'd, I'd never read anything conceptually like The Stand. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how astounding that was to me was the size of it and having multiple storylines going. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and keeping it going. I mean, that's Edgar Rice Burroughs, too, but, I mean, it's a whole different kind of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, but you know, cutting multiple storylines and keeping it going for a massive novel. As far as I remember, nobody else had, had attempted anything like that in genre in my lifetime. When you so he elevated he elevated the genre the the horror genre at the same time he was he was he was spreading it out to a mass audience. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think at that point, I mean, especially by the early '80s, it 
he's almost on the, on a level with like Spielberg in a way, like with just in terms of his influence over pop culture at that point. I mean, like we, we've talked about that on the podcast a lot, how it's, you know, everyone throws around names from, from that era and, you know, Spielberg's always up there in terms of all his blockbusters, like conquering the box office, but like really like, I mean, Stephen King's work was just like just as iconic. I mean, it was informing, it was informing pop culture in a different way, but it was still as just still as prolific, if not even more prolific. I mean, given all the number of books he did. So, I mean, it's just, yes, but I mean, but it, but it's, 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 it's by the pure weight of it finally, because in terms of his work going into other platforms, as they now say, he cycles in and out. Yeah. After Langoliers, he, he got hot in television in the eighties and after Langoliers, ABC stopped doing Stephen King. Don't yeah. ask me why. You, you can feel the shifts. The, uh, I mean, he's gone away two or three times in terms of, you know, in terms of the work being adapted and getting out there. And then at the same time, you have some kind of major shift that's happened with, with it for him. Yep. But then I could argue with it, it's horror is finally going mainstream. Yeah, it's. I feel like um, it's kind of like what happened with uh, the quote-unquote nerd culture like a few years ago. It was or not a few years ago, probably like a decade at this point. You know, it used to be this like niche sort of under you know counterculture that has now become like omnipresent. Like everyone is a everyone's a, a dork, everyone's a geek, and now everyone loves horror. Like everyone loves like you know curling up on Netflix and watching these like movies. Where as growing up, I remember being like kind of like the weird outcast in the horror section just being like oh wow you're gonna rent a horror movie okay tonight? okay you know? <laughs> okay michael if you felt that way think what i felt oh, I like back when i was coming up yeah it was me and three or four other guys <laughs> there were no girls oh yeah for God's yeah sakes the you know i mean it, it you know yes so something something shifted something you know in terms of you know the, the way it's being accepted because now it's now with the success of it, they're going to try to tent pull it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that, yeah, I mean they're already. I mean they've they've announced like six or seven adaptations in the last like four or five months. It just they keep rolling them out. I mean I think they just had James. So, Wan. Now, hold on, seven Stephen King adaptations. Oh yeah, there's a bunch now. Like the James Wan's going to do Tommy Knockers, uh, James Vanderbilt's uh, adapting The Long Walk. Um, Dennis Widemeyer is doing a remake of Pet Cemetery. There's talk of the stand. Uh, I think Josh Boone has like two or three adaptations that he's kind of like floating over. Spielberg's talking about the talisman. Like it's, it's wild. Everyone's trying to grab him right now. I mean, it's cause I mean, I guess like IP is the only thing that really, you know, popular or well-known IP is the only thing that's actually getting made in Hollywood these days. So it's kind of like, everyone's just like, Oh, well it just broke box office records for horror. We have to make everything now, which is exciting. But at the same time, it's like, I hope they don't just rush this. Cause I feel like you're right. Like there are waves that come and go with Stephen King. And I feel like they always screw it up because every ultimately they just overcapitalize on it. And then they make like sequel after sequel. And then it just becomes, it just loses what it was. You know, it's it becomes kind of just this, I don't know, soulless thing. Like it's just not, it's not nearly what is on the pages. So it's a whole discussion, and I can't believe how long we've been talking. Yeah. It's been terrific. It's been interesting. How long has your podcast last? This is uh, we usually go long, um, but uh, this has been this has been great. I mean, I, I uh, you know I can 
I, I did want, I did have a few more questions just about go like, ahead, go ahead, ask the questions and I'll try to shut up. Okay. No, Hey, hey no, no, no problem with, uh, whatsoever. You can talk as much as you want. I, we had a few, one was, um, are you still, tr- some of our listeners gave us some questions and, uh, one of them was, are you still trying to keep the 10 o'clock people alive or have you moved? Yes, on? I am. And I'm also trying to keep, uh, strawberry spring. Yes. Alive. And I was going to ask about that. Cause that's, I yes, love, that's one well, of my favorite short stories from night shift. Um, well, I, I could go on and do an hour about that because that's a slasher movie before there were slasher movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they've done three or four shorts. I think on Steven's Dollar Program, they're mm-hmm. on YouTube. Are you? Would you? Yeah, I, I, could, I could. I could go on forever. Go for I it. Mean, I mean, it's, it's, that's like. I mean, we. I love well, I mean, that I story. Mean, Ten o'clock people. I had dinner with Stephen. With Stephen. And Steve is talking to me. We're we're both sitting in the in the smoking section. We were both smoking, and this is this is Langoliers, and he tell he starts telling me how pissed off he is about how they're they're even shutting down the the smoking sections. <laughs> yeah. And so he wrote a short story called Ten O'clock People because he'd been in his favorite restaurant in Boston, and they oh he couldn't smoke in the restaurant. So in the middle of the freezing night in Boston, he was going outside with the other smokers in between courses of the meal. So he wrote 10 o'clock people. <laughs> <laughs> I so it. anyway, I always thought that was funny. But I did, yeah, what I, I, I took and I added, uh, yes, it's, it, 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 that one has changed a lot from, yeah. from the original short story. Well, you got to change but, them. You know, you know. Well, it's They Live, you know? Yeah. It echoes They Live. Does actually, yeah. I could go on and on for hours because so many things echo things because we're all influenced by it. Well, yeah. I mean, you could pretty much do and probably pick out any of his books, and you'd probably be able to connect it to something in the past. I mean, even like all of us, yeah, all of us, yeah. I mean, it's just ways to twist and contort things in new directions, for the most part. Um, But anyway, it's interesting, and he's still working. Yeah, and not only is he still working, he's still producing, and I'm sure he'll go off in interesting, even more interesting ways. I thought that, but I thought Doom McKee was sort of, you know, was definitely going in that direction. And you wanted but to anyway, do that one too, though. That was another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, because I, yeah, because I thought it was interesting that you know I, I thought maybe I'd get something done with an older lead because it was a Stephen King piece. Yeah, it's really a story about a about a sixty year old man's, uh, you know. You know, crisis of you know of of of, of identity. Yep. You know, of everything. Yep. He loses an arm, a wife, and an accident. Yeah, that's a very that's a very interesting story. Loses everything. It's, loses his business. You know, but it's written from the perspective of an older actor, and I thought that was interesting because everybody's like thirty-two. I know. Oh my gosh, that's the thing that drives me nuts too about some of these horror movies. That's one thing I do like about the new Pet Cemetery coming out is I they think they they hired. Jason Clark, who's like fifty something, which is like wow, that's amazing. I can't believe they have someone that's over the age of age of forty. Well, I mean, that uh, she Mary did a great job with that, and then Edmund Gwynn had a gave a great performance. Oh my I god, remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. I you think know, John Lith- John Lithgow is going to do it now, and so he's got some huge. Well, that'll huge be terrific too. He's yeah. Terrific. Well, you have- Maine, Maine is glorious and gorgeous. And anyway, we both we both should go. I hope we haven't bored your listeners. No, not at all, not at all. I I, I will say, if there is there is a theatrical version of Salem's Lot that is that needs to happen, and you sir with Fright Night, you got to make it happen. I would just, I would be very very interested in that. The the Toby Hooper was a good friend. Yeah, you know, and I thought Toby did a terrific job. Oh, totally with he did. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it, it, it's all. I should also give myself a plug. I have a, I have a, a, a website called TH Terror Time or Tom Holland Terror Time, and I've also got a, a store on there with a lot of, you know, with a lot of cool horror merchandise. You can get signed copies of Thinner, right? Ah, that's right. You yeah. can. Yeah. You can get a signed copy of Thinner there if you want. Are you? There's, 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 there's stuff in there that's more interesting. I'm doing. I'm putting together a picture book now of uh, of Child's Play from my from my studio stills. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I you're mean, you know, and you're working on a Fright Night novel and a comic book, right? Is that going to be available there? I'm working on a Fright Night novel right now. I'm polishing. I'm talking to you instead of polishing it. <laughs> well, at, what am I at? I'm so at, I'm at something like ninety-one thousand words. Oh my god, I can't wait. God, that's exciting. Yeah, so I'm you know, so I'm serious. You know the. Uh, and all of it's very alive, but I really have. Stephen really interests me more than the fact that I just that that I've met him and know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the the whole I've just been following him as a writer, like any one of any one of the people who are listening here. Yeah, you know. But then I mean, I you know, I, I got to tell you, I read EC, EC comics last night. I was like, God, I know where we got a lot of these ideas from. <laughs> Well, I love yeah, that you're. So. I love that you're still connected with the horror genre. I love that it's <laughs> it's something that still you know keeps you up at night, just like all of us. That's great. I mean, it's just that's what it's all about. I mean, I'm, I'm I have no plans on getting rid of horror anytime soon in my life. So we're all fans. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Michael, you so much, and, Sean. You know, and, and everybody out there who's listening. And when you start talking about Langoliers, call me. We'll do because Langoliers. Langoliers is, is I, what Stephen has, not all the time, which is to say intermittently, he has a gift of narrative. Yeah. And one of the best examples of that is, is Langoliers. I'll talk to you later. We will definitely talk. <laughs> Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. Fun, huh? Good interview. Really cool. We Good sat times. there listening to the 45 minutes. Yeah, we just uh, we took out a boombox. I actually mm-hmm. transferred it over to a cassette. Yeah. Memorex. We sat here. Yeah, so Memorex, flip it. great, mm-hmm. great company. Uh, and uh, we sat here and we played with Funko dolls while we were. Uh, I didn't. Know Mel did not. Though. Mel, know. what was your favorite part about the? I would like to see the the Billy the Billy Halleck Funko doll. Though. That would be a good That'd one. Be cool to have, especially that. if Robert John Burke is. Uh, but the if one it, only if it was mirrored off the poster um, and the false promises that were made yeah. to me Mel's, as a <laughs> young man. <laughs> if they did make a Funko doll of Billy, they would have to do that because they would have to sell it. They'd have to really sell it. Otherwise, it would just look like a thin Funko. A Finko. Uh, yeah. Well, on that <laughs> hilarious note by me, thanks so again for listening to the Losers Club each and every week. Please be sure to spread word about the podcast if you haven't already. What's the deal? What else do we have to do? On, Help please. us out here, okay? I mean, leave us a review on iTunes, Facebook, wherever else you listen to us. It really does help. And we'll be back with a lot of news. So, so much news. So much is happening. Every day there's so much happening. So we'll definitely be back with a lot of stuff about it casting and some... Um, Director news that's books happening with some other stories. stuff. Just books, short stories. Well, you know, the standard stuff that happens every week with Stephen what, King. What is the main event that we're doing next week, though? There's a little thing called a novel that Stephen King wrote that's coming out next week. And I know, I know Losers, Randall, and Mike are planning on having this thing read within a week. So God, God help us all. I hope they hope they <laughs> knock it out. That's gonna be a hell of a read. But Mike, Mike is the king of binge reading, so I know he'll be able to knock it out. Hey, uh, read uh, 350 pages of Christine in one night. And so he loved it. And he loved it. It was Very so much nice. fun. Um, so you had read it before, though. But but the most more importantly, though, ago. for for people that follow the podcast every week, please know that we're going to be starting massive coverage of King's short story collection, Skeleton Crew, in about three weeks. Oh my god, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and the novella, um, the Mist. We have an entire episode devoted to that, as well as the adaptation. So. 
Get ready Some for that. Some of the best stories weeks. are in this collection, you guys. I, I just actually uh, fun though. I've this is actually fun though because it's happy news. I'll be the judge of that. I've read. Well, I'll tell you. I've read the first. Se- I've reread the first seven stories, and there are already like three just outstanding stories. Outstanding. Already. I'm I'm Minimum. I'm mid jaunt right now. Then I've never read it. How do well, you stop God reading Almighty. the jaunt? Okay, well, well, I had to come to this thing. Start reading Skeleton Crew, everybody, <laughs> and sp- try get the mist done in a couple weeks, and then you'll have another week to finish. Start the rest reading of the short and start stories, ranking. Reading and ranking because yeah, that's true. We're going to be ranking the stories much like we did with our night shift episode, which was a fun episode. I think it was I fun it was to, a, kind of, to go around doing that. It was a joyful time. Good time. It was a fun fact. <laughs> it was a, time. You know, joyful fact. It was a, it was a joyful time. And until, so until next time, if you sat with us this entire episode, we really appreciate yeah. it. And you I deserve think, a slice you know, to of be fair, If you've listened to like 60 episodes of the show, you, have to you know who us. we are by yeah. now. Okay. We're, We're having a bunch a good of fucking time. assholes that sit here like, and talk about nonsense. Speak for yourself. In our, in our uh, book episodes, we are very serious 90%. It's like mm-hmm. a 90-10. And in this, it's like a 10-90. All right? We yeah. understand. 10-90. But 1080, trick. it's my uh, favorite Nintendo 64 Great video game. game. That's why we give yeah. you the bookmarks. On that note, you know, until next time, long, long days, days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. And let the curse begin! begin! I got some hot friends God, I got some hot Consequence Podcast Network.